What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Sickwix Candles. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and this is the 2019 Supercross Preview Show. I realize that things are a little bit late. We are in the 11th hour, and uh, if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that uh, it is literally the night before Supercross. This is the day before Supercross. It's Supercross Eve, the Friday before Anaheim 1. As always, I am your host, and uh, coming to you all the way from Wisconsin, good friend of mine, he's been on the podcast way too many times to count, we have him back on all the time because he's passionate about motocross, he knows his shit, and he runs the collective experience, his name is Dave Drake, Dave, how's it going? Great, man, I'm, I'm stoked, you know, we got a couple more days to the uh, first race of the season, always a busy time, and uh, I'm pumped to get into this, man, the butterflies are starting to go, so ready to crank it off. No doubt. It, this, uh, just like Christmas, Supercross sneaks, sneaks up on us way too quickly. Uh, at, in, uh, when we're sitting here in September, we're talking about how far off Supercross is, and now we're literally sitting on the doorstep. Uh, coming into Anaheim 1, the 450 class will be cracking off. The 250 class will be cracking off. We're going to be, uh, tomorrow, we'll be watching snippets from the press conferences. The first time in three years, I will not be at that press conference. That kills my, my heart to think of that, but reality is is uh, we got to stay at home for the first few rounds this year uh, just sort of rearm get get ready to go to Minneapolis uh, unfortunately won't be able to go to the first few rounds that's a bummer for me I know you will be there this uh, tomorrow but uh, yeah man supercross it's here yeah it, it you're right it sneaks upon you like crazy I feel like just last week we were talking about the first round of outdoors and now you know we're getting ready to board our flights and head to to anaheim so um you, you really don't realize how don't stop this sport is <laughs> yeah you well, you'll be there in spirit I'll, I'll you know i'll make sure i hold up a big mx radio t-shirt so everyone can see it um but yeah i mean it's it's crazy how there's this sport is always back to back to back and um you know i think that's for me that's what makes it so great is that there's never really a break from it um like most sports you know they have like the baseball season uh, football season, supercross, motocross is nonstop, man. So, um, you know, it does seem a little daunting sometimes, especially when you're working in the industry and stuff, um, like yourself is trying to get things going and, and, you know, logistic wise, but, um, you know, just being a fan, um, our sport doesn't get much better than that, you know? Oh, absolutely. I think you're totally right. Uh, the gate, the gate drops just about every weekend, somewhere around the globe, some races more important than others, but this one coming up this Saturday it doesn't get bigger than this. This is our Super Bowl, and of course, it's the first race of the year. Uh, there's so much hype. There's so much unknown because these guys go into their foxholes, and they, they work on things, and they're sprinting, and they're doing 20s, and they're working on suspension, and everything's top secret, and uh, often we don't uh, find out about uh, injuries until last minute, and, and these things come out. Uh, we've got some of those to talk about. I think that's why we, we waited as long as we did to basically make sure that all rosters were set. We didn't want to do one of these two weeks ago and uh, and be talking about Benny Bloss uh, knocking down top five finishes uh, only for him to uh, sustain a knee injury. 
That'll keep him out the remainder of the 2019 season. Um, but uh, I'm excited to, to talk about the, this this racing season. I'm excited to t- tell my, all of my listeners all about Sick Wicks candles. Of course, that's a soy-based candle that uh, it's, they're just unreal. I don't know if you have any of these yet, and if you don't, we need to set you up with some. Uh, I know you're you're uh, you're a guy who likes to relax. You like the your scented candles. Um, all the different uh, scents that you're, you're looking for. None of the harmful chemicals from a regular paraffin candle. And uh, you're currently sipping on some green tea, sitting in uh, your living room, talking about motocross. Wouldn't it be nice to see like a little flickering flame from that woodwick soy candle from Sickwicks? You know, I love one, man. You know, I'm totally, uh, totally a candle guy. So um, <laughs> you had me, you had me at a um, soy base. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely love to check those guys out, man. For sure, we got to get you some uh, some Sickwick stuff, hundred uh, percent. And I, I love them honestly. Like uh, this full disclosure, uh, like rel- when it comes time to relax, I like to read quite a bit. I fire up one of those candles. They got a wood wick, so it actually sort of flickers, and, and it's got like the pop from a like an actual wood burning, almost like you have a wood burning fireplace. Um, but I'm talking, you could take this thing into your into your garage. You want to class things up a little bit. The place smells like uh, stale uh, engine oil, and uh, and of course the, the sweet smell of race fuel. But uh, they got beer, they got coffee, they got uh, peppermint. You name it, they got awesome candles. Go check those guys out, Sickwicks.com. But uh, before, and maybe after you're done checking out all those candles over at Sickwicks, you'll find yourself on the CollectiveExperience.com or Collective, Collective, the Collective EX. Dot com? CollectiveXP.com. CollectiveXP. I'm going to fucking write that down uh, <laughs> because you have a million different ways of finding you, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, or the CollectiveXP.com. And, uh, like, well, fuck, you do a better job explaining it than I do. What, are, what can people look forward to uh, experiencing when they uh, take a chance on, uh, on your program? Um, they can get a, they can really look forward to just being fully immersed into the world of Supercross. Uh, that that's one thing that we specialize in, and I know uh, you know there's a couple more fan experience um, packages popping up from different uh, entities within the industry. But I think where we really shine is we really make those lasting connections for fans. So we're we're so much more than just a meet and greet. Uh, we've had people go on to work in the industry, uh, for failed as videographers, as mechanics, as gear reps. Um, we really, we really try to try to nurture um, people getting their foot into the industry, um, really making lasting relationships and connections, and getting an experience unlike anything they've ever uh, imagined before. So that's you know, hands on with the bike and the riders, watching practice, watching race video, um, getting a chance to talk to the mechanics and, and just get behind the velvet rope and see what it's like to be an actual team member. Um, for um, you know, I, I feel like behind the scenes doesn't do it justice because you're so a part of it. Um, you're a member of the team. I mean, your input is valuable, and you're really working to help make sure that the rider you're working with has a much better um, race, uh, much better level of exposure, um, and you know, and, and you're helping to make sure that they get to that next level. So, um, if anyone's interested, definitely check us out. We've got packages still available for A1. We've got um, a bunch for throughout the entire year. We're doing it even bigger and better with. Uh, more levels of immersion, more experiences, just a lot of cool, cool things, a lot of cool ways to get people more in love with the sport and to really help out a lot of our riders. So make sure you check us out and uh, come say hi to us. 
Absolutely. Go look for Dave in the pits at Anaheim 1. He'll be, he'll be the, uh, the, the black guy with dreads with a frown on his face because I'm not around to, uh, to give him shit and talk shit and, and, and do all that fun stuff. That, that's one of our favorite things. And also, also, you'll be a little bit more sheepish about walking over to Rockwell to get fed at some point, which uh, I, I'm here to tell you, you're more than welcome to head over there. I give you the blessing to go eat at Rockwell whenever the hell you want, even if you're, when you, don't, you don't have a rider over there. I'd never kick you out. But, uh, um, yeah, like, like there are quite a few now uh, VIP fan experiences that exist, but none more exclusive, more inclusive than the collective experience in that. Um, and I've, I've, t- I've done the, uh, the BTO Sports, or now it's the RT, R, uh, Rocky Mountain ATV MC uh, KTM team's uh, fan experience. And nothing against Jason Thomas and all the things that they do over there. And I think their, their program is even better than it's been in the past. But the one time that I did with them uh, was a little bit impersonal with the riders. Um, obviously, those guys are the top flight riders. They're guys like Blake Baggett, uh, and we'll get into it uh, with, uh, with uh, Bogle as well. Those guys, it's race day for them. They have their game face on. They're, they're feeling all kinds of pressure, uh, and it's time to just perform. And they got a million guys talking to them about what's happening with the bike, what's happening with the track, what's happening with you. Um, so they're, they're not in the headspace to just be this like outgoing, like, hey, how are you, sort of speak. Uh, whereas a lot of the guys that you work with are, uh, are in a like they're in a situation and they're in a, a performance level where they're just trying to do their absolute best. They're talented racers, and they have a program that is more conducive to uh, having a little bit more one-on-one time, inviting somebody into their program, and actually help. Like because these guys don't have as much support as the top-level guys, they actually need some of your uh, your VIPs to uh, to lend a helping hand. <clears throat> and um, and it, like whether it be video or just talking race strategy or just. Uh, so much more downtime to sort of get to know the riders, of, and uh, we're talking about these still these top riders that you've worked with in the past that uh, are well within a second of some of the uh, of the guys that are are on the top team. So uh, a great opportunity to uh, basically spend some really cool time with uh, some of the best athletes in the sport. I hope that people uh, take you up on that and uh, enjoy it because uh, that's uh, that's what grows the sport. I agree a hundred percent. Everything you said, um, it, it really makes a difference. And these riders really do appreciate every fan that signs up because a big portion of the money we raise goes right back to those riders and teams. So, um, it, it's, it's really, it doesn't look good for the sport and we just want to get fans just really, um, really part of the sport that we all love, you know, really, really involved with it and, and to make some really good lasting memories and connections. So, um, we're, we're going to do it bigger and better in 19 and, uh, we're going to make it happen for a lot of people. There you go, my friend. So let's crack into this. We've only we've been talking for damn near ten minutes, and we haven't really broken down anything. Um, this the series always hangs out on the west coast to start things off. Uh, Anaheim, followed by Glendale, Arizona. Everyone loves to go to Glendale, of course. Wrong, um, but uh, and then back to Anaheim, and I believe shortly after that is San Diego. Is the fourth round before they go to Oakland, and then uh, then they I think they, after that they trip off to how does that work uh let's bring up the the schedule here right quick minneapolis minneapolis is that the, is that the next yep. one after that yeah okay fair enough so. 
Uh, and yeah, with the brand new NBC Sports uh, Gold app, you'll be able to watch every single one of them, which uh, I'm happy about that. Honestly, uh, I like the subscription service. I'm definitely going to be on that all year long so that we can uh, they, like be watching the races when I'm not at them. I think that, uh, that Ricky Carmichael is going to be a good addition on, into the booth. Uh, we're talking about one of the greatest racers of all time. So in a lot of people's uh, eyes, the greatest racer of all time. Uh, and uh, I, I just think that uh, it's, it's a value to have the guy in the booth. And um, like having him giving his analysis as often as he's going to is going to be a benefit to the, to the, to the viewers. And having a, a super knowledgeable guy on the floor uh, like, uh, like Daniel Blair... Daniel Blair on the floor. Oh, the guy, the guy breaks down the floor way better than Ricky does. I think, anyway. I think just as far as uh, like just his delivery on those uh, those live spots is just a little bit more polished. Uh, so I think that uh, race like fans are going to get the best of both worlds. Better analysis from their color guy in uh, Ricky Carmichael, and uh, like those live spots. Uh, a little bit more polished with Daniel Blair. So I'm I'm pumped about the broadcast. I don't, I don't know what what your feelings are about it, but I'm pumped. I'm a little opposite from you, so I do see where you're where you're coming from. Wow, we but disagree. That's, that, this is a this is actually a rarity here on the Big Mac Radio <laughs> for the first time, right? Um, I, th- I I really I really do. Um, I, I like I like Daniel Blair a lot. I, I like Ricky a lot. Um, I think like what you said, um, Daniel has a little bit more of a polished feel, a little bit more charisma, and I'd like to see him up in the booth because he kind of feel that spot where Emig was. Granted, he's not you know a um, super popular outdoor champion, supercross champion. But I think the way that he can kind of derive that excitement, um, just from, you know, even the most mundane things really, um, really bring some emotion when he talks and, um, and the things that he says, I feel like he would be a little bit better in the booth where Ricky needs a little bit more dimension to him to kind of paint that exciting picture for you. Um, you know, I, I feel like the tr- having him on the track and having him talk about the elements and kind of taking, the the main focus off of him and making it more so the track um it, it kind of makes it a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more palatable for me but um overall you know i still i still think ricky's going to do a good job um just you know if i had my ultimate choice probably try to stick blair up there and put ricky down on the floor for maybe one more year to kind of work through those kinks and bugs and uh and get it going yeah i think that um once he catches stride i think that Ricky has the ability to be every bit as effective and um, and, and valuable as a, a David Bailey was in the, the captain's chair for the analysis and color for Supercross. He has that ability. I, uh, I, it's like time will tell whether or not he's going to be able to just like round that off and just be be a broadcaster because I know the knowledge is there. The guy. Um, I think he's a student of the sport. I think that uh, maybe doesn't spend didn't spend as much time uh, sort of looking back into the the history of things as some guys did. But uh, the reality is, the guy ha- had a long career, two strokes, four strokes, uh, and and he's also been uh, an integral part of some teams over the last little while. So he really does get it, and I think that he's going to be able to. Uh, um, explain things maybe a little bit more accurately and, and maybe a little bit more detail than uh, than Jeff did in years past. But of course, I think that, that Jeff did a half decent job uh, in the years that he did it and should be commended for that. Uh, but what what about the, the the TV package? I know this year um, 
a little bit different from years pr years prior. Not as many live races available on TV. Does that make that uh, uh, sp like ESPN or not the ESPN uh, the NBC Sports uh, Gold app that much more valuable to people that are want to watch these things firsthand? I think so. You know, having used the the app for outdoors and stuff. Um, I like it personally. I mean, I, I get to watch the races on my time. I don't have to wait to like, uh, you know, I don't have to wait with, with everyone else to watch it live or anything like that. If, if I've got something to do, um, I like I like the app. I, I can watch it wherever I, you know wherever I am. Especially it's especially nice for the weekends when I'm you know traveling to the races and I can just pull it up, watch a race while I'm you know on a plane or waiting for my flight or something like that. Um, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna make a lot of people happy. Um, it, it it brings it more. I don't want to say even more mainstream, but it's a little bit more cohesive in how you how you get to to watching the racing a little bit more. So um, I'm all for it. I think it's good. I think it's going to be a, a move in the right direction. Um, it just gives us more another option of of uh, watching races in our own time. So I, I'm all for it. For sure, I like being able to go back and watch the full races in their entirety. Obviously, you could just do the same thing with a PBR, um, but uh, in the past, I haven't had uh, that uh, like readily available to me all the time. I, the thing I like about about the app is that uh, you don't have to scour YouTube or anything to go find some footage of this last weekend's race. You want to go watch one of the motos, throw it on, boom, there it is, and uh, you can you can sort of watch and rewatch it as often as you want. Subscription services allow for that sort of thing, and I think that's a, um, a benefit to the fans, as well as um, like just the ability to like you, you, ne you never have to worry about uh, like recording something or PVRing it because say if you happen to miss a race, you, like or or it's a day race, you can schedule yourself around not watching the race and then watch it in its entirety uh, when that comes. So um, I think it's a, a, a big step forward, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, those are just some of the small changes to Supercross. Uh, a couple of new events this year, uh, a couple of cities going away, Nashville, Dallas, or not Dallas, uh, Denver and uh, Detroit coming back, which is exciting. Um, I know uh, you'll, you'll be happy to see uh, Detroit back up on the, uh, uh, the racing as well as Minneapolis back on, I believe as well. That's, did, they, did they race there last year? Yeah, we were there last year. That's uh, where the, yeah, uh, we, were, we were there last year. That, the, that was the snowstorm. Uh, hopefully you guys yeah, don't get yep. that again because um, I'm planning on driving down for that one. But um, yeah, like ones that are somewhat close for you. Uh, how, like, would you drive to Detroit? I don't know how close that is for you. Yeah, it's about six hours for me, so um, it's right on the edge of. I'll drive it, but I won't be happy. Huh. So if it was, if it was more like that six and a half, seven, I'd you know I'd have to suck it up and maybe uh, catch a flight because that's uh, that's waking up pretty early to drive to the race that morning, but. Um, yeah, I'm happy to see a race that's, that's a little closer, something I can drive to. Same with Minneapolis, and I know it's about five and a half for me and probably five and a half, six for you. So nice, um, nice meeting the point, uh, meeting the middle point. So uh, I, I, I like the spaces a lot. Detroit always has some pretty good action. Uh, Minneapolis always has some, de has, has some decent action, some decent dirt. So um, I think they're good venues. Uh, I, I like those a lot, and I'm excited to see what, Tennessee has to offer and uh, Denver as well. Um, I'm hoping that they, they get sold out and, and we can keep going back to some uh, some different places here and there. It just makes the, the race season a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more fun, you know? Hell yeah. I think uh, like Denver's going to be a weird one for uh, one of the first guys we're going to talk about uh, with that altitude uh, sickness that he's dealt with in the past. Uh, the Mile High City can have its effect on uh, on some results, as we know in the, in the like with the altitude sickness that Jason Anderson has dealt with in the past. 
if he's having to come in first thing in the morning and fly out that night, uh, that's going to be really difficult for him. So maybe that's something that we talk about leading into that. So let's talk about the 450 class. We've been on the phone for damn near 20 minutes and we haven't broken down anything yet. So people have probably turned this off. And uh, if they haven't, I appreciate them doing so and sticking with us. Um, so let's, let's, let's just get right down to it. Let's start off the 450 preview show with the champ. He's going to carry the number one plate all the way through the season. The question is whether or not he'll have the red plate all season long. Of course, he'll have it at the first race, uh, but then time will tell whether or not he keeps it. Uh, I'll throw it to you first. What are your expectations for a 2019 season from Jason Anderson? Does he defend this title well? I'm going to say initially that he does. I, I could definitely see him being an early points leader. Um, this this guy rides with a lot of tenacity. Now, if you would have asked me this starting in 2018, I would have probably given you a different answer. I would have said, yeah, maybe the podium guy, uh, you know, a couple podiums here and there, mostly fourth and fifth. I see him kind of running out a little out of control here and there. But since, you know, he made me kind of um, – Think about that a little bit when he won the championship this past season. Um, I don't see why he couldn't. I feel like Anderson is extremely capable. He's right on that line of riding 110% without really going too, too crazy. We've seen him get out of control a little bit. But for somebody who rides on the edge as much as he does, he really doesn't crash that, that much. So I expect to see this guy as a podium threat every single weekend. Um, it'd be I'd be dumb to think that he wouldn't get um, a handful of wins here or there. Uh, yeah, the 450 is pretty stacked, but he is our reigning champion. So, um, funny thing about um, Anderson is, you know, even though he won the championship this year, still on you know third, fourth tier in a lot of people's minds. Um, I feel like he's coming in as one of the underdogs, even though he is the uh, the past champion. So. Uh, I, I, I see him doing really good, holding the right plate up for a little while, maybe swapping it back and forth uh, with like a Roxon or a Tomac, uh, and then taking this thing down to the wire. Um, I, 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 I do think he's going to come out blazing and maybe have a little bit of a lull towards the middle uh, or you know three-quarter mark of the season and then maybe pick it up towards the end. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I, I definitely think this guy is capable of, of shaking things up, um, obviously winning a championship, obviously getting wins, um, but it's going to be up to the other guys to – uh, to try to put him in his place and try to take it from him. For sure, yeah. Like uh, The guy's got some uh, some momentum from a couple of off-season races. He's been successful. He's been fast. He sort of like did his few off-season races, minus the Monster Cup being very successful, uh, just going out there and, uh, and and almost sort of doing that tour, that, uh, that championship tour that we've seen a lot of guys go on. Uh, they go knock off some races, goes back to the, the Baker's Factory. Uh, he's been riding a ton. I think he's going to be fit. Uh, he's head to toe in Alpine Star now. Uh, well, he is like his. I guess he's still wearing the Arrow helmet, but uh, switching to uh, Oakley goggle, which I think is an upgrade to, from the uh, the Dragon goggles he's been in in the past. Uh, which sounds doesn't sound like much, but honestly, getting into a top flight uh, product like. He's in those Oakley air brakes, and you know that's a fantastic goggle. Um, it's just like the, the fit and finish is going to be there. He's going to be excited about it, and uh, I feel like that's a great step forward for uh, just his, like, his race day preparation. Any goggle, any issues that he had with Dragon goggles in the past, not to say that he had many of them, but we're just talking about a, a, a goggle that is absolutely top of its... like that, That's one of the, the most sought-after goggles in... The uh, in the pits, 
uh, whether you're a privateer or a factory guy, that's what seemingly everybody wants to be wearing. Uh, it's a great construction. Uh, and he also switches to the Alpine Star neck brace. Uh, I was surprised to see him stay in a neck brace. Um, I think some guys just totally believe in it. Some guys don't. He comes off of the, uh, um, the Atlas brace that he wore last year. That was a two-year deal. Uh, that bled over from his Thor deal. Uh, so now he's been in uh, Alpine Stars for two seasons now and uh, will be, uh, be full, basically, neck to, uh, to foot in Alpine Star gear. I think that's a good peace of mind for him. And uh, I-, I expect race wins from uh, last year's champ. I expect uh, probably one of the better starts of your top-tier uh, 450 guys um, just because of... Uh, how polished his program is. He's on a very good bike. It's a bike that he's familiar with. It's even better from last year. Obviously, uh, he'll have a target on his back with that big number one plate, but also I fe- feel like that also breathes, in, breathes some uh, some confidence into his program, and we know that he's been good at Anaheim 1 in the past. So all signs point to uh, Jason Anderson having a quick start to the season, and uh, I think he's kind of my odds-on favorite to, uh, to be... Um, if not at the top of the heap, second in points by the end of January, he always starts well. I could agree with that. I, I could, uh, I could see all that playing out. Yeah, he is—he's a really good starter, and um, I, I do—I do see the red plate maybe giving him a little bit of added added juice or a little added fervor to to make things happen. So, um, I, I mean, I'm excited to see how this how this one shapes up. If, if, Jason Anderson can back up uh, another championship, then I think he's really gonna gonna cement himself as a top rider. Like I said, he's still viewed, you know, a little bit behind Tomac, a little bit behind Muskin, a little bit behind Roxin. But if he comes out and gets back to back titles, th- he has, you know, oh, that's conversation over. Back to back titles is yeah. Uh, um, yeah, you're 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 a champ at that point. You're a yeah. champ's champ at that, that point. No, you're so. a you're an elite champ. You're you're, exactly. you're not a one and done guy. You're like exactly. uh, we've got a, a ton of not a ton of. We have many one time champions over the years, um, like that that just didn't continue on. Jeff Emig being one of those guys, uh, and, and if if not for a, a, a second championship. Uh, in 2009, we'd be talking about the same thing with Chad Reed. Um, like he's obviously a two-time champ, but going back to back, basically 24 months or yeah, 24 months of being extremely dominant in the sport of Supercross. Uh, that's grounds to, uh, to and and with some stiff competition, I might add as well. That's grounds to be considered one of uh, one of the greats. And uh, if he's able to pull that off, then uh, there's no more arguing about that. And I. I Certainly at this point, um, maybe put him just a half a tick ahead of where Ken Roxon is as far as uh, like his, his legacy, even though Ken has the two outdoor titles uh, and, and plenty of Supercross wins to his credit. Uh, I don't know if he's currently still at that level where he can win races at will, but can he, he get there? We'll talk about that when we get to him. But let's talk about the teammate for Rockstar Energy, uh, Husqvarna, um, Zach Osborne. He's a rookie in this class. He is uh, tender age, I believe, 28 or 29 years old, and he's rolling into the season with a broken collarbone. We won't see him until the fourth round, if not the sixth round of the series. That's a bummer. Uh, news coming out, uh, if it wasn't today, it was yesterday, that uh, Zach Osborne will miss the first 
uh, four to six weeks with a broken collarbone. Likely they'll plate that, and uh, once he's healed, he'll be able to get back to uh, uh, normal. And so before I, I let you talk on uh, Zach Osborne, I'll tell you why I think this is possibly maybe like, it's never a good thing to break your collarbone, but um, maybe this takes a little bit of pressure off of uh, Zach having just the fantastic rookie season that people were expecting from him. That's a lot of pressure rolling into your first 450 season. Missing the first four rounds basically takes him out of uh, championship contention unless he's able to just rattle off the rest of the wins. We don't see that happening whatsoever. But what I think this does do is it allows Zach to stay fit, stay fast, uh, the collarbone is something that uh, it's more or less. It just needs time to heal. He'll he'll stay. He'll get back on the road bike in in short period. Uh, he hasn't forgotten how to ride anymore. Like he'll go fast um, after he returns. I like th- this might be a, a unpopular theory, but I expect Zach Osborne to be every bit as good as Jason Anderson throughout the balance of the season. Hmm. I, I would agree with that, except with maybe the caveat of him taking a little bit of time to get back into it. So um, I will say that Osborne being hurt is probably the biggest bummer for me of the season. Wow, I, I'm telling Betty Floss you said that. <laughs> you know, I only say that because he's been such a phenomenal rider over the past couple of seasons. I mean, Supercross, uh, outdoors, I mean, the guy's just such a, a, a dominant um, just tenacious rider. I mean, I think that that takeout move he made on um, on Savachi for the Supercross title last year. I think that's going to go down in history as probably one of the sickest passes of all time. And that guy was just hungry the whole time. So I was really excited to see how the Rickies would, would do this year, but more importantly, how Zach Osborne would do. And the fact that he's not lining up, uh, it's it's a, it's a definite bummer. Um, I do agree with what you said, though, about how it kind of taken the pressure off of him and it kind of allows him to um, kind of take a back seat to all that Anaheim 1 hype and, um, you know, the 2019 rookie class hype and, every, you know, all eyes on him type of deal. But I feel like he was one of the favorites to, to come out and start, you know, come out swinging. Um, and it would have looked really bad if, if, if he didn't, if he didn't deliver from, you know, for himself and for his team. Um, so this, this might be something that, that doesn't hurt him as bad as, as people might think. I mean, I don't think it really helps him all that much, but no. it does allow him to kind of duck underneath that, uh, a lot of that limelight, all that pressure that you might see on him. So it kind of gives him a little bit more time to sort of fill out the competition a little bit from just kind of sitting on the sidelines and seeing where everyone stacks up. Um, it kind of just takes the, takes the nerves away a little bit. So, um, you know, when he comes back around either four through six, uh, whatever the case is, um, I think we'll see like a, a relaxed Osborne, um, someone that's not controlled by the, the nerves or the hype, which happens to a lot of rookies in, in both classes. Um, so it, it might make for uh, a, a better end of the season or a better um, outdoor season for him. I, I, I do see it taking a couple races for him to get his, you know, his legs underneath him. I, I'd probably see him maybe like a um, sixth or fifth for his first race or two, and then we'll start seeing – um, you know, some fourths and maybe some battling for some semi wins or something. Um, if there are semis this year, <laughs> um, you there know, are, uh, but thank you. Really, <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, or, uh, or some heat race wins. Um, I, I can definitely see that. And then, and who knows? Maybe sneaking for a podium and win towards the end of the season. That might be that'd be pretty awesome. And I think that'd still make for a successful year, in my opinion, for, from a supercross standpoint. So, um, 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to when he does go pro. I'd, I'd love to see how he stacks up when he first comes out. For sure. I think that uh, um, three to four podiums and maybe a win somewhere mixed in, even with missing uh, a few rounds uh, for Zach Osborne, would be um, a fantastic first season. Um, I think that's uh, like, I, am, I don't think that's maybe the best you can hope for from the guy because I think he's got the potential to possibly win multiple races in this class. Uh, maybe not the first year, but in, in years to come, I think that's definitely something that's well, well within the realm of possibilities. Um, but I do feel like showing up, say if he shows up at Minneapolis, there's like literally a third about of as many media guys uh, prodding at you to talk about uh, like the the off season and this that and the other thing. He'll be able to sort of just kind of fly under the radar a little bit, do his thing, and uh, and go in there and make something special happen. So I'm ex- I'm expecting uh, this maybe like uh, um, Zach Osborne to like fly under the radar just slightly because of this injury. And uh, so I guess be- before we move off of the Rockstar team, we can talk about another Rockstar Husqvarna rider, which will likely be now under the tent. His plan was to be full bl- fully privateer. He was going to have a truck uh, or like a, a, a different pit area at the track. But I, 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 I would expect, maybe if not this weekend, uh, shortly thereafter, um, that uh, a familiar face finds himself back underneath the tent, and that is, of course, Dean Wilson uh, finding his way back underneath uh, the the Rockstar team. How likely is you think is that is that to happen? The fact that he stayed on the white bike, he stayed with majority of the same sponsors. I was actually surprised to see him go back to O'Neill. Maybe there's a re- relationship there more strong than most people would realize. But um, yeah, like uh, switch out the fifteen for, or the sixteen for the fifteen. And uh, you still got a pretty potent one-two punch for Husqvarna. Um, I think it's going to be uh, it's it's all about carbon stone at this point. Um, like you said, he kept almost all the same sponsors. He's on a white bike. Um, it, it really, really would not take much to have him move over there. I'm, I'm pretty sure he had um, some factory support level parts on his bike, so um, it, it wouldn't take much for him to say, "Hey, man, just." park across the parking lot and wheel your bike over. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's, it's as simple as that. And I know, um, you know, Dino's drummed up a lot of hype over the past uh, couple of months with, uh, you know, Grandpa Earl and just the fact of him being a privateer again, he's got a lot of people watching him. So um, I, I, I'm pretty sure Husky would want some of those eyes transferred over to their tent, you know? Um, so I, I think it's all but, you know, in stone right now. I, I think it's a big possibility and like you said, we could see it as early as uh, Glendale. It might be a little too late to see it for A1, but um, it's going to happen. It, it's just too easy for for the whole transition to, to happen, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's sort of, uh, it seems like a bit of a turnkey operation. Uh, move the bike over and, uh, and maybe, uh, yeah, a, a couple of... Uh, uh, politics things needs to happen but i fully expect that to be the case i think it was sort of set up that way to begin with um with just like sort of like these things happen like uh injuries happen in the sport um fill and rides open up and uh, i think it was a good move on dino's part to stay uh stay on white and uh, and stay on uh, rockstar which I, th- I think is working out for him to uh, to, uh, to benefit um so that being said, rolling off of the Husqvarna team, Jason Anderson, I feel, uh, and we'll get kind of get into this at the very end of the podcast, I think he's a multi-race winner this season. I think he's going to be a title threat all season long, uh, barring injury. 
Um, there's there's no reason why I wouldn't uh, take him as uh, one of your, your front runners to uh, to win this championship. Of course, uh, moving on to the next team, he's going to have a, uh, some pretty uh, a stiff competition. But uh, are you on the same page as that? Is that uh, um, Jason Anderson uh, does have a, a, a serious uh, chance in in backing up this championship with another? For the love of God, man, say something. Hello. Oh, yeah, sorry, I was I, I was muted for a little bit. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, making sure you didn't hear me coughing. Um, I, uh, I I fully think that Jason Anderson can back it up. Um, I like I like the guy. I like the way he rides. Um, like I said, he he's one of the only guys that can ride that edge without really getting into a catastrophic event. So. Um, I think he can back it up. I definitely think he's got some competition around him. He's got, you know, the Tomac and Rocks and you know, everyone knows. Um, but I don't think he stays by a lot of the pressure that most of the guys are. I, I really think that he could uh, rise above. I don't, I don't see him winning every race. But, you know, if we fast forward and he told me, hey, you know, Anderson won the 2019 season, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I could see that. It's, you know, it, it's, it wouldn't be preposterous to me. So, um, man, you know, even just talking about him winning a second one, it makes me just that much more amped to get to Anaheim and start seeing how this thing shakes out. Absolutely. So let's move on to uh, the green team, uh, Monster Energy, Kawasaki, uh, the, the team that's won the most amount of races over the last two years out of any other team. Um, they they have this this guy on their team, this Eli Tomac guy. He has two outdoor championships, a ton of race wins. Uh, he's got uh, he loves he loves to win. He hates to lose, and um, he's got a, a multi uh, year extension. He's uh, he's looking good, and um, yeah, like for all intents and purposes, I feel like uh, probably the guy with the most amount of momentum rolling into this last into the season went three for three at the Monster Cup. Uh, obviously, I had a very forgettable uh, more across the nations, but we're talking Supercross. This is where uh, maybe Eli is. Um, maybe even more dominant in Supercross than he is outdoors. The guy obviously wins a lot of races outdoors. Um, but uh, as far as race wins wise and just being able to make up time on people, um, like if, if Eli doesn't get it done this year, that's because of an injury or some other catastrophic issue. Um, like you, you spot uh, Eli Tomac, a couple of half decent finishes at the beginning of last year, and uh, I, I think that uh, it's a completely different story as where the, how things um, how things shake shaked out. Um, in my humble opinion, if if Eli Tomac rides how Eli Tomac can ride, uh, even fifteen out of sixteen or seventeen races this year, he's your champ for two thousand and nineteen. Uh, why am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong, man. Uh, the only thing I can say is uh, Tomac's sort of downfall is those um, those one or two rides where he's, you know, falling or bike issues, and he's grabbing a 20th or a 15th or something like that, you know what I mean? But, I mean, how how can you say that, that Eli won't be a, a, a top contender? You know, he's he's extremely dominant in Supercross. Uh, the way he makes up time is just, We've, we haven't seen something like that since, you know, Stewart, um, you know, back in the day. So if if Eli can can sort of 
mitigate a lot of those issues that he has early on and have it be uh, a worst place finish of fifth or sixth, like, you know, some of his competition, then he's got this wrapped up all day. And this is just going off of the way he rode in years prior. So we saw the dominant streak that happens usually around the third or fourth round that extends out for the rest of the season. Um, you know, granted, he, he usually has to come back from a huge deficit, um, but he, if he's able to kind of uh, sort of not kick himself in a hole in the first couple, then it's going to be very, very difficult for anyone else to derail him, you know, even with bad starts and some pretty gnarly tracks. Somehow this guy's able to just pick his way through the, through the crowd, just one rider after the other. So, um, man, it's, when you're looking at someone like Tomek, it's really hard to root against this guy. For sure. I think that, uh, like, we've said this about uh, a different Kawasaki rider in the past. Um, we're going back uh, over a decade to say that. But um, the only person, in my opinion, who can beat Eli Tomac for this championship is Eli Tomac. And I don't mean to discount the, the other top contenders being uh, Jason Anderson Ken Roxon and uh, Marvin Muscan, but uh, they haven't proven that on a weekly basis over the last two years that uh, that they're just straight up better than that guy. So uh, if Eli Tomac rides to hit the best of his ability uh, for 90% of the season, he's going to be your champ. And uh, I don't think anyone else is going to have be able to have too much to say about it. Uh, time will tell. Like he's definitely he's uh, had the pretensity uh, to fumble a little bit, puts himself in a, po- a hole. Uh, I think it's unlikely that that happens three times in a row, and if it does, we got a serious issue on our hands here. Um, but yeah, I think uh, number three on green is more likely to ca- carry the red plate uh, for the majority of the season than anybody else. It's it's hard to disagree with that, you know. I mean, um, you know, as I stated before, I, uh, I foresee Dixon um, Anderson having it for a little while. But um, man, but if it was came down between Anderson and Tomac, man, I'd probably have to stare where you're staring and go with Tomac. It's just like I said, if you're looking at what he did last year and the year before, he was unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. The only thing that I can say that we should probably look out for this guy is the fact that the 19 Cali is all new. So we've seen in the past when they do make those big revisions, um, typically they they might have one or two little kinks that that cause. Uh, um, their guys to to have a bad race, like we saw it with the front brake issue with uh, with Eli and Supercross one year, and even outdoors we saw him have a couple of DNFs with the motor. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the uh, a lot of his competition was pretty happy when he heard the Cali was all new and kind of crossing their fingers, hoping he has a DNF or something like that. But uh, that's really the only thing I can, I, that I can see, you know, that and maybe some bad starts that would hamper Tomac from um, running away with this thing. It's just he's been too dominant too solid um and he's he he hasn't let the nerves uh really get to him too much so uh i mean it's hard to root against him really really hard for sure i think like uh not not to, to gloss over him too quickly but uh reality is, is there's not much to say other than if that eli tomac is one of the most talented guys in the class he is consistent if he can avoid that major mistake he will be your 2019 championship uh winner that is my that is my thoughts let's talk about his teammate guy that uh, uh, hand-delivered a uh, a million dollars to him uh, a few months ago, uh, Joey Savacci. He's been the uh, the ire of many uh, in, uh, 
keyboard warriors over the past uh, few years. Uh, maybe uh, a little bit misunderstood, keeps things a little bit close to the vest. He's extremely hard on himself. Um, but uh, the reality is he's going to have every opportunity to have one of the best motorcycles underneath him all season long. Uh, the, the, the motorcycle that he'll be on will likely be winning a lot of the races uh, that he's competing in. Whether or not he's on the, on the seat is another story. But um, a chance to succeed for Joey Savacci. The 17 machine is, is uh, moving into a season where he has the, uh, the potential to, to really make a splash. But of course, it's a rookie season. There will be rookie mistakes. I think there will be inconsistency. And um, the, I think the biggest issue with Joey is, is the confidence. Um, if he cu- comes out at Anaheim 1 and cracks off an 11th or an 8th, I think that'll be a tough pill to swallow for, uh, for Joey. I think that, uh, but if he comes out at the first race and, and really gets the ball rolling, he's a, he's a fifth place guy, he's looking good, feeling good, acting good, uh, and riding well. Uh, he'll carry that forward, but a few bad races could uh, derail a complete season for Joey because, like I said in the past, he's a bit hard on himself, and those bad performances tend to linger. I agree with that. Um, you know, I, I, honestly, when I heard that he was signed to Cali, um, you know, over uh, over the summer on the 450 program, I was like, okay, well, I guess that you know he might make decent filling. But after seeing his performance at Monster Cup. I'm I'm kind of on the 17 train a little bit. I mean, um, the guy looked very comfortable. Um, and a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, Tomek would have caught him eventually, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I think Savachi had that um, wholeheartedly, man. He looked very good, very confident, very comfortable. Didn't look like the bike was beating him up too bad, like we see with a lot of rookies who move up to the 450 class. Um, but I will say that I, I, I agree with um, the fact that he is hard on himself, and he does seem like he's a bit of a mental case. You know, which is the case with all these guys, but I think of Joey maybe a little bit more. Where if he does have a bad race or continues to get, um, you know, subpar results and um, you know gets pushed around by these guys, we might see it get to a ten a little bit, and that then starts to get in the fifth, sixth, seventh place finishes start becoming more more consistent. So I, I hope he has a, a a pretty good showing. I think for Joey to come out and maybe get a podium, maybe a heat win, um, you know, a couple of Top fours, top fives, maybe a second here or there. I think that'd be that'd be a successful season for him, and it definitely put him on the radar of a lot of a lot of people who kind of counted him out in the past. Um, you know, he wasn't able to deliver on a you know title for uh, for his two fifty campaign, but um, you know, I think if he if he rides to his full ability, does not let the the negativity and the sort of the um, mental barriers get to him, and he just rides the bike the same way he rode at Monster Cup. He he could be a podium threat. He really could, you know. And hell, with a good start, he could be a, a contender for a win here or there. Um, I don't want to write him off as saying, uh, you know, he'll go ahead and be a, a, a title threat because I don't see it in his first year. No, but I do see him. Yeah, I, I, do I don't see even him know. Being, like I, honestly, you know, like I'm not gonna like sort of interrupt you here, but I don't yeah, you know, know like, that Joey Savacci. Like, I, like, I've never really known him to be out of shape, but I also don't know him to be, like, this crazy, gnarly, in shape dude. I don't know if he has 20 laps in him consistently. And I also don't know that, like, I know for a fact that he's never raced a full, a full Supercross season. Um, let's not forget how many times that we see these rookies uh, get into the doldrums of late February, March, and they're like, fuck, where can I get a a, a, a few weeks off here? 
uh, to take a breath, like it, it, it's a grind. And, um, I, I think that's maybe where, uh, uh, Joey struggles the most is is a is a bit of fitness and a little bit of that grind that sort of starts to wear on you. Like I said, if he happens to rattle off a few sevenths in a row, uh, maybe you see him uh, tailspin a little bit. But uh, he could prove me wrong. He's definitely got the skills to do it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you a little bit, but um, I, we've seen him in outdoors. You know, have some come from behind. Um, race wins and late battles and stuff too so i mean he, to me he doesn't really scream the you know the pinnacle of fitness but just going off of some of his outdoor races that you know some some gnarly tracks like a lot of shugel and stuff that gets pretty choppy um i don't think fitness is going to be that big of an issue for him especially being that he trains at the goat farm and you know he's got eli as a as a, as a teammate and he's got all you know he's in the an elite class now with guys who are you know world-class athletes these aren't just 20, 21, 19-year-old kids who are just talented. Uh, these are guys making millions and millions of dollars to be the best that they can be. And I know Cali has a lot of expectations for him. So um, I, I, I want to say that he's done his homework, that he, you know, he's hopped himself up on training. Uh, he's probably mentally prepared himself for a 17-round race and um, got that stuff together. But you never know. So um, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me, but it, it's definitely a factor that could play in. That absolutely, I think uh, Joey Savacci probably has the widest range of outcomes that are uh, are possible for him consistently throughout the season, and uh, I think it it, it completely uh, rides on his ability to stay focused and 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 have those good finishes throughout. Uh, and I think that, uh, uh, like I said, if he has uh, if he has good success, he'll stay that way. If he struggles, things might uh, um, like he has a tendency to sort of disappear sometimes. Uh, but uh, we'll find out this weekend. Anaheim won. The pressure will be on, likely uh, to be part of uh, opening ceremonies. Hopefully he'll stay in opening ceremonies throughout the year. Of course, rookies are always part of opening ceremonies, especially in the first uh, round or so, um, but only that's a reserve for the top 10. So uh, like that'll, that's almost gonna, that's going to be a coveted spot, uh, especially with the, 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 the amount of guys that we have lining up this season uh let's move over to the honda hrc team talk about uh a guy who who won outdoor races in 2018 he won two supercrosses in or two supercrosses one supercross in 2019 he won he won two the first two races in uh yeah he did 2017 he won the first two races yeah Yeah, 17 won the first two races and then snapped his arms off uh, in 20, uh, in 2017, Ken Roxon, uh, he is, uh, your, he's, he's the captain of, uh, of team Honda, uh, head to toe in, uh, in Fox gear. The guy is probably rolling into Anaheim one with as much health as he's had since 2017. Um, the arms are still a bit of a question mark. Um, we don't know, entirely know where the health is on that as far as uh, what residual issues that he has with them. Of course, he'll tell you that everything is 100% fine. Um, in, in sports, we realize that we can't listen to athletes with anything they say. So there's uh, a, a little bit of take that with a grain of salt. But uh, I'll ask you this. Um, what would be a, uh, like, for... Ken Roxon to come out of January with an A plus next to Jan- like his performances in January. What does he? What kind of moto scores does he need to have? Um, or is or is now he back to the I need to win or I'm not a happy guy anymore? 
Ooh, that that's a tough one. Um, I want to say if he gets at least a third, that he should be happy with that one. It's, you know, and I, I hate to bring up the injury again, but I mean, it was a really gnarly injury, and then you went back in San Diego last year, and you know, and broke the other arm, and um, that one wasn't pretty either. So, um, I think as far as Supercross goes, if he was just on the podium. He should take that as like, okay, yeah, that's a good start. And then from there on, then you turn on the, the typical Ken Roxon of, if I'm not winning, then I, I absolutely hate this. Um, but at least for just, you know, just one, one release, just to, just to have him feel it out a little bit. Um, but that's, that's asking a lot of an athlete who's paid to go up there and win and dominate. So, um, yeah, Ken's a mystery. I really wish that they would come out and just tell us, like, hey, you know what? Ken's arm will never be the same. Um, he's going to have to dig really deep to get back to where he was. We might see it here. We might see it there. I just, I wish they'd come out and say that. Cause right now yeah. he's kind of a mystery. I mean, I want to say, yeah, he's going to come out and be just as every bit as good as, is uh, Jason Anderson and Tomac and Luskin. But it, it's, it's tough for me to say that, you know, cause I'm getting, you know, I'm getting, uh, intel that, you know, he's riding incredible. He's right. He's riding just as fast as those guys. And then, Hey, uh, you know, his arm's still really a factor and you might have to work, work into it a little bit more. So, um, man, it, it's, it's tough to say he could either be first or he could be fourth. And, you know, uh, knowing Ken Roxon, he's probably not happy with anything less than a, than a number one, but, um, if, if he gets a podium for the first one, I think he should take that as, as a pretty damn good stepping stone and use that to build on for the rest of the season. For sure. Like, I think that uh, speed-wise, Ken Roxon has the potential to win Anaheim 1. And I think that uh, in the, 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 the craziness that is Anaheim 1, we've seen him win it in the past two different occasions. Of course, his first one that he ever raced, uh, he ended up cracking that one off. Wasn't his first 450 race, mind you, because he had raced on a 350 in the past uh, on a KTM. But uh, went out there, broke that off. I believe that was 14. Uh, and uh, he looked, he's, he's, he's looking good. L- like you, I don't know where the arm is. I, think we'll, we'll, I don't think we'll ever get a straight answer on that until he hangs him up completely just out of... Uh, um, that's just the way the sport seems to go. These, uh, like, you don't get a straight answer out of any of these guys as to far as where uh, the, the, the... Like... Where the... the the injury really sits as far as uh, where it can get to as far as healing goes. Uh, but I, I, I fully expect uh, Ken to, uh, to be at full flight. I think it's, he's getting to the point where he can ex- we can ex- start to sp- expect wins from him, and I think he can start expecting them from himself. Um, and for that reason, I think that he has a very good chance of winning this weekend. And if he's able to do so, uh, that's going to springboard him into uh, being a, a, a perennial, or maybe not perennial, a weekly um, contender at the front of the pack. I think that uh, that's going to give him a lot of confidence if he's able to crack that off. And uh, he's definitely proven in the past that he works well under those pressures. Um, and I, like also, uh, a little a feather in his cap is probably the best-looking Honda from HRC in a number of years. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, the red front number plates? It's a subtle change, but it's a nice change on, uh, as far as... Um, like I, you and I are, are pretty uh, into the, the fashion of the sport, uh, including the motorcycles. I like the red plates. I dig it. I think it adds another dimension to the bike. Um, it, wait, kind of question. Kind of, Just to interrupt you before. If he ends up with the red plate, is the red, a red number plate on a red plate going to be too much red? Ooh, that's a good one. 
I don't know. I'm going to have to say just the fact that it's a red plate being points leader kind of gives you extra style points. So even if you are deficit for having red on red on red, still it's a red plate. You know what I mean? You're still number one. So yeah, um, <laughs> it might be, might be positive in style points, but I think the overall look of the bike is great. And you and I talked about something is, um, you know, it, it's really sucky when you see the teams have uh, sort of like different number styles and it doesn't feel as cohesive between the two teammates. But I love what they, what HRC has done because those bikes look like they're actually teammates. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're from a, prof- a, a top-tier professional. Exactly. Top-tier professional outfit. Um, I, I, I dig it. I think it, it adds another dimension to the bike, um, makes it really, really clean, and probably puts – the Hondas, both 250 and 450, in the top of my list for, for looks for 2019. So they got the Dave Drake's approval. <laughs> Absolutely. The Dave Drake's stamp of approval as far as the fashion goes. Yeah, their team photos, these guys were, were looking really, really sharp. Uh, and, of course, the guy, other guy on the team, guy that probably doesn't get nearly enough credit, of course, he had a pretty serious back injury last year. Um, but back on the motorcycle, skipped outdoors, rest on the body, rest on the mind. And um, I think he's, he's going to be uh, in race form come Anaheim 1. Cole Seeley, um, a big year for him. It's a contract year. He needs to perform. Uh, there's a bunch of guys knocking on the door uh, who want that ride out from under, underneath him. Um, and when he crashed out of last year's uh, championship series, he was second in points. Are people sleeping on Cole Seeley? I think they are. Um, you know, Seeley's not really a flashy rider, so even when he's going fast, you still really don't notice him until he's, you know, making his way through the through the front of the pack. But um, I, I think he's a, he's a contender for a podium. Um, you know, hell, maybe even a win towards towards the end of the season. I know that the injury injury he had last year. Was, was pretty bad, pretty severe. Knocked him out for the season. So um, I think he's going to need some time to, to get his race like underneath him, uh, to get comfortable on that bike. I think the Honda is relatively um, updated from 18. So um, I, I think he's going to take some time to kind of get back into some of things. But um, he's extremely smooth. He, he rides that Honda very well. And he's not a rider that, that we see really getting hung up or, or injured very often. So I think... Um, I, th- I think Sealy could really uh, could really surprise a lot of people. I think he's right up there with like a um, like a like a Brayton, um, you know, a guy that could sneak into that that quiet fourth or quiet fifth. But then every once in a while, you you blink and the guy's winning races up front. So um, I, I should I would tell people to keep an eye out for for Sealy. He's he's one of those sneaky guys that could very easily get a whole shot and 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 win wire to wire or at least three minimum get a podium. So, um, yeah, being a lookout for Sealy, I, I think he has something to prove. And as we've seen lately, once that fear of not having a factory ride sets in, we see some guys turn up the heat a little bit. So it'd be, it should be interesting. Hey, Big MX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors. We'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners. Let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sickwix is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you got to check them out. They're motocross-dedicated and uh, they, they've 
They burn nice and clean. They got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're going to love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1, and the full array of market-leading products. Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. We're going to do whatever we want, and if you're cool with it, you're cool with it. If you're not, we're still going to do the thing. I can just let go. Put our middle fingers up with a smile and let it roll. It's not just go out there and train to be number one because it's more losers and winners in this world. I grew up in Newhall. That was 805. I got into this can. I said, that is a badass fucking can. The beer's even better inside. We have a band of brothers. They're different. They just like to have a good time and live life, have fun, and kill it. Fast house is nothing but fun. We all want to feel good. The average guy can go out there, throw down. I did it my way, and it's all that matters. It's not easy to do this shit. My girl's looking at me to support her, and I've got a broken leg from dirt bike. You see a lot of people that fall out of it. It's all so based on results and being the winner. That mentality of the 60s, 70s, that's what we try to do is bring that back where it's not so serious. I don't really like the super competitiveness of it. I like to bring something that's more lighthearted. Probably all serious about it at one point, and 
kind of realize and let's just have fun. That's what my old man did, and it just really resonated with me riding a dirt bike on that fine line of glory and disaster. Throw your leg over a bike and haul ass across the desert and feel free. 90% of people that own a motorcycle go out on the weekends and they just want to have fun. Can't ever take that for granted. Two wheels till the wheels fall off, man. Once I feel like you become a man, you know, you get off the track and you're exhausted. Just an ice cold beer, just nothing sounds better than that. This fast house crew is gonna break the mold how it used to be and maybe even then some. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateer's racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice sessions, talking about the racetrack, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program, and the money goes right back to the privateers. You're actually supporting their racing program, and you get a really cool experience. Check it out, Google. The Collective Experience, first thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out, The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there, great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience, a proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Hey, guys, this is Johnny Louch from the W Training Facility, powered by Crosley. Head over to Matera and enter Team W and get 15% off. The product's amazing. You'll love it. And uh, thanks to the support of Big MX Radio Broadcasts. Love being on the show and talk to you soon. Absolutely. And, and unlike most of the, uh, the second riders on most of these teams, he's a veteran in the sport, veteran in the 450 class. He's won races in the past. He's podium races. I don't think he, uh, he's not going to be uh, um, uh, worried about that whatsoever. Uh, I think that uh, he's in a good position to uh, to be successful, of course, he'll be on the, the KYB suspension, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Ken on the Showa stuff, which is different from last year. Uh, they actually started on uh, flip-flopped on that. Uh, so maybe there's some in-team politics. But, uh, of course, within the sport of motocross, uh, um, never really totally know what's happening with the internals on that suspension. Very well could be uh, KYB stickers and uh, on Showa suspension. We've seen that in the past, not to... Uh, make accusations whatsoever, but that does sort of happen. Um, and uh, like, just sort of, a, sort of a side note there, that they will be on different suspension, similar motorcycles. Uh, but as far as testing goes, one rider won't really be doing too much to help the other guy as far as uh, getting things uh, squared away and ready for 2019. They're basically kind of on their own, other than maybe I believe Justin Brayton does some uh, some testing for the, the factory team, just sort of putting some time on some stuff. I believe that's uh, part of his contract uh, through 2020. Um, and with that, let's, let's, move, let's stay on red bikes, but move on to the Smart Top Bullfrog Spas 
Moto, Moto Concepts Honda team led by a guy who won a race last year. In fact, uh, the only Honda to win a race last year in Supercross, uh, Justin Brayton. He takes home uh, Daytona's ch- uh, race. I, I, I don't see him doing that again this year, but crazier things have happened. Um, do you think that uh, Justin Brayton can back up uh, last year's performance uh, or did, uh, was last year a little bit of an anomaly, like uh, maybe sort of overperforming the same way uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, did last year, making it to the Stanley Cup final in their first year as, a cha- as an NHL franchise? Huh. That's, that's an interesting question. Uh, oh, man, it's tough. Like, Brayton, I'm a, I'm a big Brayton fan, and that guy can ride a motorcycle. And... You know, we expect great things out of him, but nobody expected a win, especially at Daytona. So before I go ahead and write this guy off and say, hey, what's the fluke, um, I would not be surprised to see him win one more. And kind of like a Sealy, um, you, you never you never realize he's going as fast as he is. He's, he's really going to be good at uh, his starts and maybe some of the triple crown races that are a little shorter in duration, more of a sprint style, which is kind of more his forte. Um, we saw that from Daytona where he's, his sprint and the initial, you know, first half of the race is what really sealed him uh, for that win. So, um, man, I, I, I don't see Brayton having many uh, podium finishes. I'd say maybe um, maybe for Brayton. Um, and it would be great to see him win again. I mean, I, like I said, I'm a Brayton fan. I'd love to see it happen. Um, I just know he's on a lot of people's radar right now. <laughs> so some of the riders might not be as, uh, as easy to let him buy, you know, as they would have been maybe in the past, but he's able to win and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see what this guy does. I mean, he, just, he, he could either be a top five consistent rider or he could be a rider that, hell, you know, this guy could be a podium threat. You, you never know. I think yeah, very much like uh, uh, maybe on the total other age of the other end of the age spectrum between him and Joey Savacci, very large um, range of outcomes we've seen in the past. Justin Brayton have uh, a sort of ho hum night. He ends up ninth, um, like just sort of like make a bad start, sort of just works his way to to, to a finish like that. But we've also seen him uh, challenge for uh, heat race wins, uh, like uh, the Triple Crown wins, and of course a race win. Um, so, uh, and like that's a pretty big range of outcomes, going from winning races all the way back to tenth uh, or eleventh place uh, in just a straight up race. So we'll see what uh, what comes for Justin Brayton. I think with age, um, you're automatically going to see some regression there, but uh, he still has a great opportunity to put down some great races. Let's talk about his teammates, Malcolm Stewart who uh, is your doppelganger. You're literally in my phone as Mookish. Um, (laughs) Of course, he is Mookie. Um, The guy uh, is racing Anaheim 1 for the very first time in his uh, 450 career. Uh, For the first time ever, he had an actual off-season with a a real... um, It was sort of fragmented at the end with some bad finishes uh, in some of those off-season races, but uh, full season of testing... Um, totally knowing what's happening, where he's riding, what's going on. I think that's a fe- that's definitely an uptick for his preparation. I think he's working with a trainer for the first time in the last little while. Of course, he's always been training, but I think he, this year his training is more organized than it's ever been. Um, 
I think this maybe is the best opportunity for us to see the best Malcolm Stewart to date uh, on a 450. Um, and uh, I, I fully expect him to, uh, to be uh, the leader of this team. And, um, and, and maybe, uh, maybe you have as, as more, even more nice things to say than I do because uh, uh, I, I, for some reason I think he might be your favorite rider. <laughs> uh, he's he's definitely one of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because you know, of his brother, I, not I, because of Mookie, though. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm I'm really really excited to see what what Malcolm can do. He he looked great in the off season, save for you know some of the bad finishes towards the end or and that bad crash he had at one of them. But um, one thing that's really important to note is that he looks comfortable in that Honda. And with a lot of these guys, um, especially riders who have yet to have their breakouts, um, sort of like a Justin Hill or, you know, Malcolm Stewart, um, you know, a, a Brayton even, we, we can go back to that. When they're comfortable, they are very lethal. And like you said, he's got a trainer now. He has a solid program, which he hasn't had the luxury of having in the past. So he's kind of in flux and, you know, a lot of his focus is more on getting a riding team other than training and making sure he's better at his craft. So all of those are starting to align to where we can maybe see Malcolm ride to his full potential, which we know there is a shit ton of, especially if you watch a guy ride whoops. So um, he he's a question mark for me right now. Like I said, I'm a big fan of his, and I think he I think he could be a, a podium threat. I think this guy is very capable of kicking ass, getting a podium, letting these guys know that he's here too, um, carving out a name for himself in the 450 class. Um, but I could also see the nerves getting to him a little bit. I could see him having an issue with fitness in the team in the past. So it's really it, it's it's really tough to say where we could see him. It, it, it's especially without having having seen him um, with this full program that he has now with this group of riders in a race environment um, that's that's not overseas. That's something that we're used to seeing in, in the big stadium. So I you know I, I'd like to make a prediction. But I'm going to hold off until I see him for the first couple of rounds, see where he kind of stacks up and what some of his shortcomings are. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, be, uh, you know, startled if I saw this guy have a have a really, really strong A1. I mean, everything's in line for him to do great. He's setting himself up for a great season. Uh, seems like the smart top team really supports him. Really is giving him everything he needs to be successful. And we know their bikes work. Brayton won it last year, so. Um, I think he's done with excuses. It, it's all on him this year. So um, if he doesn't deliver, this could be a make or break year for him. Absolutely. Uh, like, uh, I think, like I said, this is his best opportunity to show us what he's got. I think uh, his teammate Vince Freezy will be extremely consistent. He's, he's, he's shown that uh, he has the ability to run as high up as around the seventh place in around guys who probably look and see Vince Freezy and wonder uh, if them themselves uh, are, uh, are worth their salt. He, he's still like still never considered one of those top flight guys. I don't know if that'll ever change for him, but uh, Vince Freezy uh, will continue to do well, will continue to be a thorn in the side of a lot of these other uh, factory-supported riders, and will continue to get starts uh, well above his, uh, his normal finishing spot. Uh, and whether or not he's able to hold on to that is uh, completely um, sort of like a, is sometimes he's able to hold on to those spots and not move too far back. Sometimes he uh, puts it in reverse uh, more than others, but uh, he'll have spent another season on the team and uh, continue to be a thorn in the side 
of a lot of these. Uh, he'll he'll be a thorn on the side of guys like Justin Bogle. He'll be a thorn on the side of uh, of some of these rookies that we've worked with and uh, that we've seen that uh, struggle with starts and stuff like that. And uh, there's a, there's about half uh, like an outside chance that he even butts heads with one of his teammates at some point. But the reality is is that he's got some serious speed. He definitely does. Um, he's another writer that I think a lot of people kind of write off and um, don't really give as much credit to as he might have deserved. Um, he's a, an incredible starter, and the fact that he's able to keep those guys at bay for as long as he does, granted, he never really you know ends up where he starts, uh, but the fact that he's able to stay up there for the amount of time that he does, um, you know, he, he's owed some credit. He's, he's, he's a great writer. He's got a... Um, Pretty good style. I think a lot of the baggage that he had in the past of being dirty and all that other stuff is kind of in the past now. You know, we haven't really seen it in a little while. You know, he likes to write people, you know, a little on the edge, but he's definitely calmed down a lot. So um, I think Smart Top is smart to keep <laughs> Smart Top is smart uh, to keep getting him um, every year because he's a he's a really really good third uh, third guy to have on the team. He's solid. Um, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of controversy around him, so his name is being brought up. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to say that I want to, that I want to see the guy start moving forward and, and pushing that edge, but, uh, it, it's a tall order from a, from, from a Vince Breezy, somebody who hasn't really shown that progression over the years and has consistently been that sixth, seventh, maybe fifth place guy uh, over the past couple of seasons, which is nothing to, to snark at. A lot of writers would love that consistency. Um, but yeah, just, just to see him back for another year, um, riding a bike that he knows, he, he's going to mix it up a little bit. He's going um, to keep some guys on their toes. For sure. Like I said, he's going to be a thorn on the side of some serious, serious uh, title title and top five uh, threats. Like uh, I, I fully expect him and guys like uh, Aaron Plessinger and Justin Barsha to uh, to butt heads at some point just because he's got that top like he's got that skill level he has the 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 ability to get the starts he doesn't always have the 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 racecraft and the ability to just to blast through people he sort of hangs on to a lot of those uh, results that he's getting which is what kind of maybe frustrates guys the most but the reality is is that um, like if, uh, you don't want to deal with the guy go faster than him. But uh, let's move on to the Monster Energy Factory Yamaha team, uh, who uh, there's a lot of excitement around this team. The number seven is back in the sport, much to the dismay of guys like yourself, who uh, were still holding their breath for um, James Stewart to come back and, and, and run that number and, uh, and make his triumphant comeback. He will officially not come back with a number seven. If we ever see James Stewart again, it won't be with the number seven. That's Aaron Plessinger's number now. He's teammates with Justin Barsha. Before we talk about the rookie, let's talk about uh, my votes for 2018's Comeback Rider of the Year. A guy that this time last year, maybe not this time, because by, by now he was on Factory Yamaha. He was getting a six-race deal. Uh, now he's basically the marquee guy over there at Yamaha. He's no longer set playing second fiddle to, to uh, Cooper Webb. The 51 is there to stay over at Yamaha, and uh, that also comes with the pressure of, uh, of being the number one guy over there. But um, I, I, I expect uh, good things from, uh, from Justin Barsha. Had a great outdoor season, showed he was one of those, uh, those top contenders that was going for race wins on a weekly basis and, uh, and almost kind of coming, getting back to the Justin Barsha of old. Um, unfortunately, he'll be riding one of the ugliest factory motorcycles that has uh, has graced the Supercross series in the last few years. That black 
front number front fender is um, like a sight for sore eyes. It's it's just something that I I don't want to continue looking at. And just this like I I think they might have made the graphics in like Microsoft Paint or something like that. That uh, Yamalube logo <laughs> sort of just off in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the shroud. Um, like before we talk about the team, like can we just talk about how ugly those motorcycles are? Yeah, please. Uh, I'm glad you addressed it, man. You know I am not a fan of these bikes. And I'm a Ugh. Yamaha rider. I so I love Yamaha. Bleh. And I, I am very disappointed with the black look. You know, like the it looks black like for a, fender, black shrouds. It looks like somebody just like It's a freestyle bike. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say bought a freestyle rider's bike and decided to put throw some numbers on it and go race it. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. Um I think this the traditional Yami blue is just such a clean look. Um, and it, it, it just doesn't do justice. To Where's the tuning for? Gave him a love. I, it just, all of it, it just doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't and even say Yamaha on the shroud. It says <laughs> Yamaloo. top it all off. Yeah, super weird. But then, you know, the cherry on the top of the cake is the, it's the Thai carbon fiber blue end cap. Yeah. It just screams cheap and cheesy to me. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah, it, like it, it does. You know what it makes it look like is those like um, the BBR, uh, like the pit bike end caps yeah. from back in the day. Yep. That you like yeah. if you bought one of those and they had like multicolored ones, you could buy one. Um, but like like someone over at Yamaha needs to like like they need to get someone better in their sales department because they still haven't sold their the side of their front fender like that is prime real estate that like someone like fmf should be on or actually the pro circuit team but like like how do they not sell the side of the the front fender like that is that is more than prime real estate and um like everything about this photo that i'm looking at is is just off aaron plessinger's uh fork leg is turned slightly so you can't even see the kyb logo you know someone's pissed about that um, the black is just, it's, it's fugly. Um, it's, it's not a great look. Like I said, the, the side of the front fender isn't, uh, isn't sold, which like last year they had that, uh, that team or the, it was, uh, it was originally supposed to be that, uh, niche niche. Yep. And and that company actually stopped paying. So they took those guys off um, but just to not have the, like the, they don't have the, uh, the Yamaha sort of like that, like the Yamaha, or what do you even call that? Like the, 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 like the frame by frame, like the sort of that Yamaha pattern across the side of the shroud. They don't have Yamaha on the shroud. It's just monster. Uh, Yamalube is sort of, like I said, kind of in no man's land there. Not a fan. Um, it's just, a, it's not the most beautiful looking bike. And uh, even their pit shirts kind of look lame. So uh, that's all I have to say about the, their, their overall look. Um, yeah. I'm sure people are probably like, who gives a shit about their look? And we're, we're an hour and 15 minutes into this thing. And we haven't uh, so much as even thrown it to commercial or talked about privateers or a guy on a KTM. But uh, we still have to get to the 250s tonight. Sorry, Dave. Um, but um, like... Aaron Plessinger, uh, a double champion in the series last year, and like he's 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 won the outdoor title, he's won the Supercross title last year. Um, now with uh, Zach Osborne out, he's sort of like he is 
your odds on top rookie of the year. Uh, of course, last year's rookie of the year was Benny Bloss, basically by the fact that he was the only rookie of the year um, who raced on a regular basis. Uh, now we've got, we'll have three of them racing the entire season. Four will be uh, sprinkled throughout uh, with Zach Osborne showing up late. Um, but uh, like, who do you think um, flies the flag best for Yamaha in 2018. Uh, does Aaron Plessinger have like just your typical rookie season where he like, he maybe knocks off a podium, some nice rides, uh, like what, what's, uh, and then from Justin Barsha, does he have to win races to be uh captain of the team or, or what, what's, uh, what's that like, what's his season have to look like to continue being that number one guy over at Yamaha? I think, uh, you know, a year ago, it would have just been, okay, give, give us some consistent top five, get us in the podium, um, show us a fourth, show us a heat race win, um, just to, just to kind of earn your keep on the team. Um, but since 18 was such a breakout year, and I wholeheartedly agree that 2018 was the year of the resurgence of Justin Barsha, um, I think they're looking for wins now. I don't think they're going to be happy with just top fives. I think he should be a consistent podium threat every single weekend. And I will say, out of you know, all of the uh, off-season promo videos and Instagram clips, Barsha looks probably the most comfortable and the most flowy. I mean, that guy looks insanely good on that, on that Yamaha, um, which is a tall order because the bike looks horrible. <laughs> but, yeah, um, totally. Um, he, he, looks, he looks super comfortable. He's back to that old flowy Barsha where – we start seeing a little bit of that extra body anguish come out and the way he's able to, um, you know, maneuver the bike around and really get a lot of effort into the bike and get the power down to the ground. Um, we're starting to see flashes, flashes of that again. and It's it's really refreshing, especially since he had such a lackluster uh, 450 career before his uh, his um, year last year. So um, I think he, he's he's got some big shoes to fill. He's got – he's really got to uh, – you got to sneak in there and be a, a, a top three threat and put it to Luskin and Roxon and Tomac and, and Anderson. And he's got to get his starts better, got to be consistent, and his fitness has to be there too, which, uh, you know, I think might have been a little bit of an issue for him in the, in the past. Um, yeah, he really, really can't have those mistakes anymore and um, really needs to make sure that his, his whole program is extremely solid because his teammate will definitely eat his lunch. I think Plessinger is going to have a really good season. He's a big guy. Um, seems to be riding that that 450 pretty well. He yep. starts to get his feet wet and still has some you know some things to work out. But um, I, I definitely see Plessinger having a few breakout flashes of brilliance, like a really cool pass on somebody, or um, not not letting these guys intimidate him and running him high in corners, or um, you know a whole shot on these guys and and you know trying to run away with the thing. I, I can definitely see that for a little bit, but. Um, if you had to really twist my arm and say, hey, he's going to have a better rookie breakout ride between him or Savachi, probably have to say, probably have to say Savachi, man, just off of what I've really? seen. In, yeah, just, just, I mean, that, that Monster Cup ride was just so phenomenal, and it's just oh, such a 180. Oh, man. I know, I know. I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably the odd man out here. But you are. I think, I think you need to fucking put the bottle down, man. Like <laughs> I, you didn't tell me you were going to get drunk for this podcast. I know. I, I it, it feels it feels weird even saying it, but I definitely think that Zavachi, he he rides that he rides that Cali 450 very very well. So okay, um, man, it's 
And that I'm not saying he's gonna, you know, Sabaji's gonna win with Plessinger in 14th or something like that. You know, I, I think it's they're gonna be close, but I definitely do see Sabaji having the edge because you gotta understand Sabaji like that dude's hungry to prove himself and reinvent himself. Where Plessinger, everyone's gonna love him. You know what I mean? He's tons of fans. Um, pretty much like the industry, quote unquote, sweetheart right now. So um, I definitely think that Sabaji has a lot to prove. He's hungry. He's coming in as kind of an underdog. Um, I definitely see Sabachi having a little bit better of a, of a breakout ride or breakout season than Plessinger. That doesn't, you know, I'm not saying that Plessinger will have some good rides. He's definitely, definitely going to ride the Yamaha well. Definitely going to be a thorn in these guys' sides. Um, and I, I think he's going to adapt well. I don't think we'll see an issue with with him on the Yamaha like we saw with Webb in the past. You know, when he moved up. I think Aaron can ride this big bike very well. And he's going to feel right at home with these with these uh, elite guys. Fair enough. Well, uh, you're going on record to say that. I'm, I'll, I'll go on record as saying you're fucking wrong. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's why we race these races and, and, and find out. Um, one guy, obviously, last year uh, was, like, the kind of, like, captain of Team Yamaha. He's moved on to um, Red Bull KTM. Is Cooper Webb a fresh start for him? Uh, a th- his third energy drink in three years. Um, going from Rockstar to Monster to now, uh, uh, will be with, um, with Red Bull. That's pretty kind of an interesting deal. Um, coming over to the, the Red Bull team, he's working with Alden Baker. He's, he'll be in probably the best shape of his, uh, his pro career as far as, uh, his fitness goes. Um, uh, from, from what I understand, a full bill of health, no uh, off-season races, so to speak. Uh, so we don't really know what kind of uh, what uh, Cooper Webb we're going to see uh, show up on uh, on the KTM. So before we talk about Marvin Muskan, who I think is kind of the uh, is the leader of that team, likely to win races this 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 year. Uh, let's talk about Cooper Webb and his fresh start over at KTM. Is this what he needs to get back to uh, being a, a multi-time champion within the sport, a uh, contender in this series, uh, and actually looking at Moto wins? Or, um, like, like, uh, and, and like, like, or, or is, is he sort of destined to maybe be uh, a secondary guy? Like, uh, like what's, what's the, what's your thoughts on Cooper Webb and his fresh start over at uh, KTM? I think what's going to, pay a little bit more in his favor is not so much the bike it's the people that he's around okay so ktm has we've seen they have the ability to turn people into multi-time champions um they're probably the most highly supported highly funded team in the pits and he's also got alden baker at his disposal which no one's going to argue is probably the best trainer in the industry um and just the, the the amount of mental confidence and confidence in the preparation and, and program that he that he has really is uh, almost like a, a a guarantee for a lot of a lot of riders. I mean, they you know the minute they start working with him, they all of the doubt, all of the questioning if their programs on par kind of goes away, um, and they and they end up doing very very well. I think just just from him having just any kind of color change in his bike, uh, along with working with the crew at KTM uh, and the the team that that uh, Alden Baker has, the Baker's Factory, um, it, it's going to pay big time for for Webb. It might take some time to actually see it sort of work and and for him to kind of trust the process. 
but I think ultimately it's it's really going to be a um, something that's that's good for him, and we 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 could see Webb start to ride to that that quote unquote web like way where uh, you know he's he's stubborn with the fast guys and um, starts uh, you know making a name for himself and, and fighting for for good finishes. I mean, you know, I, I I would be very very shocked if he comes out swinging for a podium right away. Um, which I think is definitely doable later on in the series once he does sort of start to trust that program. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a, this is a move that he needed, um, and it's it just again it's more so from the personnel and the people that he has around him, not so much the bike itself. Because at this level, I mean, all those bikes are freaking awesome, you know. So um, Webb Webb is a smaller guy, so you know maybe the weight of the KTM is, is helping him out a little bit. But um, in the end, I. I I stand behind the fact that he's he's on a really good team. Um, he's got Alden Baker to to walk him through all of the all the fitness and just mental uh, mental coaching that he needs. And I, I think this this could be the year that things turn around for him. I think so too. I think that uh, um, if he's able to get back to the level of consistency and the level of confidence that he had riding at four riding the two fifty a couple of years ago completely lethal, completely changes the complexion of what his career looks like on a 450. If this doesn't start well, if this doesn't go um, moving in the right direction, I feel like uh, the, like Cooper, Cooper Webb is, uh, is a confidence guy. He, he needs to have those good finishes consistently to continue that momentum. And if he's not able to do that, I think that it spirals downward for him. I, think I'm kind of, I feel like a broken record because I've said that about a few guys on this podcast. But the reality is a lot of these guys work off of momentum and just their uh, their ability to stay up on the sport. As you know as well as I do, it's a super mental sport, and uh, anyone who's um, raced it knows that uh, the, the confidence is, is, is infectious. It, it keeps people going. It, it helps you put in the time uh, week after week. So uh, I, I feel if Cooper Webb is able to, uh, to be successful with that, we're going to see some good things from him. His teammate, Marvin Muskan, I feel... Uh, we may have we we I think we've seen the best Marvin Muscan that we're going to see, and this might might not be a popular opinion, but I don't really see a lot of um, Marvin Muscan taking control of a Supercross series. I actually feel like this season might be a step in the in the uh, in the other direction for him. Um, he's had opportunities in the last couple of seasons to uh, to establish himself, be the number one guy over at KTM. Um, be the number one guy in the series, period, and hasn't been consistently just balls out faster than anybody. I think he still struggles in the whoops. Um, and honestly, I feel like he's probably got ever like since uh, like uh, Ryan Dungey left, uh, he's got his uh, most top flight um, a teammate, and I think that uh, competition uh, with Marvin, I- I'm not sure if that really propels him forward. I think uh, being a top dog last year uh, was uh, uh, like uh, something that was kind of uh, helped him like sustain that speed and, and be that number one guy. But uh, if, if Cooper Webb uh, rattles off some some top finishes and even finishes ahead of uh, Marvin, um, I feel like Marvin has this uh, odd like kind of sort of tendency to uh, take a back seat to riders, whether it be uh, his adversaries on other teams or even his teammates. Um, uh, a little bit too easily, and um, I, I think that maybe Marvin Moose can uh, 
maybe we, I don't know how much more he has in the tank as far as uh, taking his speed to the next level or uh, winning multiple races. I think it uh, he sort of um, like found his spot, which is uh, a, a contender. A guy on one night can have an amazing night and be like, wow, that guy is a, is a championship contender. But uh, I don't know if he uh, has the speed and the consistency to, uh, to, to rattle off a championship in this class. I'd have to agree with you, man. It's, you know, as sucky as it sounds, I, I, I definitely think he's, he's also found his, uh, his, his tipping point. He, like he said, he's had multiple t- you know, chances, multiple years to try to, uh, to try to nail down a, uh, a title and, and get things consistently going to KTM's next dungeon pretty much. And um, we haven't seen it. And, you know, granted, when I, when I say con- staying where he is consistently, remember the guy is still winning races. So um, I, I definitely see him as uh, the number number two, number three guy sneaking in to win a race here or there, maybe even being a red plate holder for a little while. But it's in terms of wrapping up a title, it's it's really tough. He he would have to drastically change something to find that extra gear that uh, Jason Anderson and Tomac seem to have found, um, you know, as of late. So um, he, he's really got to work on his race craft. Like you, you mentioned it in the whoops. Um, a lot of that initial um, and late late race intensity that Tomac seems to bring to the table, I don't, don't see it from Marvin. He kind of gets complacent with his laps. Yeah, he's running great lap times, but he, they're not really changing much, you know, um, which – it depends on how you look at it, it's pretty good, but when your competition is rounding off, you know, three seconds faster every lap, that's that's not good. You know, you gotta you gotta try to ramp things up. So um yeah, I hate to say it, but I, he's not my odds on favorite to win the title. Um could he get second place again? All day. I totally see him still in that spot. Totally see him getting a couple wins, um, see him as a podium threat, but when it comes to the flat out raw speed and aggression and intensity to win the title in one of the deepest fields we've seen. I'm not, I'm not sold on this right now. For sure. And we're like, like we're almost, we're over an hour into this an hour and a half into this podcast and we haven't even gone through all the guys that are factory supported. This is ridiculous. Uh, like we've said in the past, there's somebody who's on a factory motorcycle who will be outside the top 10 and be pissed off leaving uh, Anaheim on Saturday night. Uh, and uh, and one of them might be in the, on this next team that we talk about, the Rocky Mountain ATV MC WPS KTM. I have way too many letters in my name team. And <laughs> the... The uh, the number four of Blake Baggett is the the leader on that. We've seen him podium supercrosses in the past. We've seen him have uh, uncharacteristically bad uh, races in the past. He's a bit of a slow starter at pretty much any uh, series he's in. Um, like, and I haven't heard a, too much buzz about uh, Blake Baggett at all all season all off season. So uh, that leads me to believe that maybe we'll see a little bit more of that. Uh, they've got a brand new guy on the team that uh, showed up only just last week uh, in Justin Bogle. Um, so he's, he's got less than two weeks on a on a KTM. Of course, he was on a Honda prior to that. Getting ready, the 19 machine will be a little bit behind the eight ball with a lot of things changing for him really late. So I expect both of these guys to be um, like basically kind of up against the wall a little bit going into Anaheim 1. Uh, I don't know why I have less uh, expectations on Blake. 
uh, mainly just because he's, ha he's had sort of some slow starts in the past. I expect him to be around that 6th, 7th, 8th spot um, just on his pure speed and talent, but I definitely don't expect him to be in the top five. Justin Vogel, the 19 machine uh, last year, uh, we haven't seen a, a ton from him in the last couple of years due to injuries. Uh, obviously raced really well for Suzuki um, two years ago, and then last year uh, was basically a non-factor with the injuries he sustained racing for JGR. Um I like if if there's somebody on a factory supported motorcycle that I would say is you're most likely to be outside the top ten at Anaheim one. I think it's Justin Bogle, not because of his speed, not because of his talent, but because of how much less preparation he has than the rest of the guys he's competing against. I uh, I agree with that one. You know, he's he's been on Hondas for for a quick minute too, so hopping on a bike that's uh, you know pretty different. Um, last minute is, is probably going to end up hurting him a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I want to move to Baggett really quick. Um, you know, in the past the past couple of seasons, I've, I've kind of had high hopes for him, um, especially following that outdoor run where he was kind of sticking it to Tomax a little bit. But um, I've just been constantly every season that that same Baggett hasn't hasn't shown himself. So um, I'm as much as I want to disagree with you and say no, you know, Baggett's good for a fourth or a third. Um, I agree. The the sixth or seventh spot is what we've seen from him in Supercross, um, and heck, even the outdoors. Sometimes we're seeing a lot of a lot of Baggett in, in that spot. So um, I, I don't I don't see much changing in his program. Um, you know, he's, he's on a good bike. He's got you know good support around him, but I, I don't see anything that's that's going to be that X factor that's going to propel him to that next spot. So um, I think this team is going to be solid. You know, Justin Bogle's on a slouch. Um, I wouldn't say that he's a, a, a top five threat, especially seeing how he's um, sort of crashed himself out of contention for the last couple of seasons, it seems like. So I think this should be a building year for Bogle, maybe settle with some top tens, maybe a top seven, um, you know, some top eight, something like that. And, and just get your consistency and your racecraft back to make sure that you're riding, you know, to the best of your ability, riding safely, and then we can start working up, up the ladder. But um, I see this team as being, you know, if if Baggett ends up fifth or sixth overall and, and Bogle in that um, maybe tenth or eleventh, maybe ninth, then take job all done the team. That, that's kind of where I expect them to, to to whittle down. No, I think so. I think uh, if Justin Bogle can relax a little bit and just take what uh, the races give to him, uh, he definitely has the potential to uh, to surprise and be a spoiler and uh, and and have a great season. Uh, he's going to have a great team around him. Uh, you know those goes, those are good bikes over there. Uh, and obviously, I, I get well soon to Benny Bloss, who uh, has those long levers of his have uh, turned into a torn. ACL, which uh, derails his 2019 season completely. That's a bummer for the 29 machine. We haven't seen a 29 on a KTM uh, since Andrew Short. This kind of a, actually uh, doesn't look too far off uh, a Shorty's old look. But uh, yeah, like uh, a bit of a, a wrench thrown at the Rocky Mountain team uh, late here. But I think Justin Bogle will fill in admirably and actually has probably some, maybe a little bit more uh, top end upside than uh, than Benny does just on uh, on speed and his ability to get good starts. Um, last factory team that we need to talk about before we put the 450 class to bed and make some predictions uh, about the 2019 season is the uh, the JGR Yoshimura 
uh, Yamaha team. Unfortunately, uh, they will not have uh, Weston Pike under their tent all season long with uh, his recovery, uh, with no timetable for his return uh, after basically uh, getting landed on uh, at the Paris Supercross, still dealing with some facial fractures, needs some surgeries still. Uh, but good to see that uh, he will be at Anaheim 1, doing some autographs, talking to some fans, and uh, he looks to be in better spirits than he was uh, in in uh, in weeks past. So uh, a full recovery, and hopefully we can see him back on a, on a motorcycle. I know he's still dealing with some eye issues, especially with his right eye, um, as they had to do 10 broken bones and basically re- uh, rebuild his eye sockets from scratch. Anytime that happens, I feel like you're going to be off a motorcycle for quite some time. Uh, filling in for him is Chad Reed, the 22 machine. Who uh, um, Chad Reed probably thinks that he can he can win races this year. Uh, after this being his, this will be his 17th season as a professional. I think it's, in, I think it's like more of his 18th. I think in the, 18? In the U.S. From 02 to nine is from nineteen. Does that work? I think he actually, I think he might have did some in uh O2's his first No, like as far like like not his first pro season, but his first his first uh Cana- like uh, his first race in the States was O two. Mm. Um aboard the he raced the two fifty for uh Yamaha Troy, won the East title that year. Uh, and then uh, stole some moto wins from James Stewart. You should remember these things. You're supposed to be a moto nerd like I am. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's been on the 450 oh. since. Or he's been on a, a 252 stroke or 450 since 2003 full time. He's a two time champion in the series. Uh, he's got the longest uh, line of anybody uh, as far as the. Uh, he's a crowd favorite. He's a fan favorite. He'll have long line as far as uh, autographs go. I don't know if that translates into, I don't know if it means uh, race wins. I don't know if it means podiums. I don't even know if it means top fives because last year he spent more time battling with Benny Bloss than anything else and neither one of them were that close to the front of the pack uh, all season long. Uh, Can Chad Reed uh, capture lightning in the bottle? Crazier things have happened. Do I expect him to be in the top five uh, on a a weekly basis? No, I do not. Um, But he definitely has that uh, ability to, to, to have an amazing start, be a crafty veteran, and, uh, and squeak out a, uh, a, a top five, or like if I, by some sort of miracle, a top, uh, a, a top three finish. Um, by no means am I trying to discount the guy's uh, talent. I'm just saying that it's 2019, and, uh, and Chad Reed's been at it for a long period of time, and these new kids are fast. Including his teammate Justin Hill, who who might have the most raw talent of anybody in the class. I'm gonna have to agree with that, man. You know, as much as I want to say, you know, the Chad Reed of our childhood is still here, where he's gonna, you know, die trying to win. Um, I I don't see it happening. I think we what we can try to root for is a top three. Um, you know, some really some really great heat race um, races. Um, some great starts, some really, like you said, he's a, he's a crafty veteran. You better believe this guy's going to put some pretty spectacular passes um, on some riders um, that a lot of a lot of kids probably haven't learned the, the technique for yet. So um, I think it's a smart move of JGR to sign him, just from an attention standpoint, and having a rider of his caliber with just the knowledge and ability to help test and, and just bring another dimension to the team is super smart. Um, I I 
I would love to say that he's going to be a consistent top five guy, but I don't see it. I think we're we're going to see him. Um, I think he's going to like the bike. I think he's going to ride very well. I think he's going to be um, definitely a top ten. I'd say I could picture him being around the same spot as like a uh, maybe a Baggett for a little while, maybe a few spots back from him. I see him and Bloss like literally beside each other all all year long, along with Savachi. I know you say he's going to do amazing. I I expect I expect uh, Chad Reed to have a very like he's on the other end of the spectrum of as far as being rookie and like he he's like like an older guy and like maybe doesn't have the speed anymore and like, on many nights like just not feeling his bike setup. Whereas uh, Joey Savachi, un- inexperienced. Likely uh, a little bit fatigued halfway through the season. This, that, and the other thing. Um, I expect them, like literally, to be within about ten points of each other all year long. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I see that happening. I mean, that's that's a really good point. Um, man, it, it's it's really tough to have this conversation about Chad Reed. Just it's so weird for him not to be in the top three. You know, if you talk about guys winning races, automatic reflex to say, yeah, Chad Reed's in that mix too, but. I don't know. I just don't see it happening, man. He's, he's, I know he's going to like the bike. He's really going to enjoy the, the team and stuff. He's going to gel well, but I, I just don't see anything other than maybe a heat race win and maybe a podium once or twice, but that's, that's about the extent of it. And consistent top seven, top eight guy. No doubt. No, I, I think that you're, you're right. I think, uh, I think it's good to have Chad Reed out there. I think that uh, he's a living legend in the sport. I think fans get to see a guy like him um, who's part of just a sort of a totally different era, uh, the two-stroke era. He He's one of the last guys to win a championship on a 252-stroke. Um, he's a fa- fantastic tester. I think that Justin Pill actually benefits from that more than anybody. Um, just because I think he's going to be really good at shaking down the motorcycle. I know that he's also a really picky guy, so there's there's times when he just won't be um, just won't be feeling it for for any amount of reasons. Um, but uh, I, I think that uh, um, like like I've said before, a couple other guys, he has a large like a wide range of outcomes. We could be talking about Chad Reed in twelfth, rolling around out there not having fun, and we could also talk about Chad Reed uh, just lighting a house on fire and. Um, and being uh, well within the uh, the top five uh, on one particular night when everything is just sort of clicking for him, he has that uh, that uh, ability. Um, like, like, it'll all depend on how Chad Chad Reed is feeling. I think like that's that's all I can really say about that. Let's talk about his teammate, the other rookie, the last rookie to talk about in the class, Justin Hill, um, the forty six machine. He's fast. He has talent, he'll jump stuff, he'll do cool shit, um, but also he is a complete free spirit. You can't put this guy in a box, you can't like put him on a... Like, I don't think he would fit in the Alvin Baker program, he's not going to uh, take cheese out of his diet anytime soon. Um, <laughs> he, but he also has the ability to throw down a lap like... Like very few of the other guys, like he's going to be one of the only guys outside of your um, Marvin Muscan, Jason Anderson, uh, Justin Barsha, uh, Eli Tomac, and uh, and Jason Anderson who are routinely knocking off that uh, those those top finish or top qualifying times. The problem is I don't know if he gets the starts. I don't, and I don't know if um, he's consistently up there. Um, I could see Justin Hill winning a race. I could also see Justin Hill getting 17th. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, man. Um, Maybe not a straight you know, up seventeenth because that would be like some alarm bells are catastrophic. going off. But like oh, I could sure. see, I could see him like, or maybe not seventeenth, but I could see like a first turn crash and not moving past like thirteenth. Yeah, oh. I mean, as much as I, I, I hate, I hate to write him off as some, you know, as, as someone that's capable of, of that or that would be susceptible to something like that. I do think he's got a lot to prove to a lot of people in the way of consistency. So, like you said, um, he did awesome. He did like super fantastic. And he's, he's, you know, you know when he when he did win the Supercross title, um, and we've seen the flashes of brilliance on the 450 when he moved up a little bit last year intermittently. Um, but being able to 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 ride with these guys and have a, a lot of uh, a lot of pressure around them, and that pressure from a 250 rider, but pressure from an elite guy like a Tomac or a Muskin, uh, that's a tall order, and it's it's not something that many people can move up and do automatically. And we saw him kind of get out front a little bit in Tampa last year. And you know, immediately just kind of get pushed out and beaten up by by Muska. You know, you know what I mean. One of the lightest guys in the class. So um, he's he's got some proving to do. If if he can get out front to a great start and sort of uh, ride without the the nervousness or some of the pressure and just start flowing like Justin Hill can, there's no reason why the guy can't win a race. He's got amazing equipment. He can make it happen, but it's it just it's yet to be seen whether this guy can put together a solid enough program, including fitness, and be able to have the stars align and go out there and and ride the way that we know he can ride that motorcycle. It's just it's yet to be seen for a lot of people. For sure, I, I and for that reason, I could actually see Chad Reed finishing ahead of Justin Hill in overall points, but obviously not have the better of the two best finishes. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I mean, I, I, you're, look, you're looking at uh, somebody who, who's weathered the storm for a long time and knows how to, how to maximize what he's putting out there. And, um, yeah, I still consider Hill as kind of like that, that rookie full of piss and vinegar. So I see him being sporadic. So there's, um, yeah, there's no reason why that couldn't be true. Fair enough. Well, I, 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 let's talk on, a, talk on a couple more guys before we switch over to the 250s. We're not going to make it part of this podcast. It'll be a separate podcast. We p- appreciate everyone listening to this almost two-hour-long podcast. No, wait. Yeah, almost damn two-hour-long podcast about the 450s. Uh, Kyle Chisholm, Alex Ray, Adam Entignap, three guys that you're a big fan of. You've, you've worked with them in the past on uh, VIP experiences. I think you've worked with Alex Ray. I don't know if you have, but for sure, Adam uh, Entignap, they're on that Hep Racing Suzuki. Uh, Kyle, Kyle uh, Chisholm, probably one of the nicest guys in the sport. Um, he's sort of like a late season, like a late team add-on. They'll be head-to-toe uh, other than helmets in, uh, in Thor, um, including boots, I mind you, which is kind of a cool thing. But uh, um, what do you expect from these guys? Honestly, um, on one hand, both Alex Ray and Adam Knapp had never had this solid, or at least to my knowledge. Like, I don't know in totally how... Um, how solid a program this is. It looks super legit. I don't know if that is, is, is totally uh, the case. I, I don't know if there's like uh, behind the scenes things that things aren't totally 100% just like all, do- all I's are dotted, T's crossed. But uh, this looks like to be the best team that either one of those guys have been on in the past. And I think they'll uh, benefit from having a professional like the number 11 of Kyle Chisholm on the team uh, who's 
uh, a good tester, a finicky rider in his own right as far as testing goes. I remember seeing him testing with the 5150 Yamaha team last year and uh, um, the, the the team uh, being like they're, they're patient with Kyle as far as his, his uh, testing goes, but also at the same time, sometimes uh, a mechanic would hope that he just ride the damn thing and, and just do what he knows how to do, you know what I mean, rather than searching for that feel. Um, but uh, like... For Alex Ray and, and, and I mentioned that before I get too long-winded, um, does the structure and support of a solid team help them or or does now the pressure of, okay, I'm on a good team now, I have a good bike, it's time to perform, does that actually, does the pressure of that sort of equal itself out? Like obviously you have an uptick from the, from the organization, but on the other, on the other side of things, now there's pressure, now that, now I have to pr- provide, uh, more value and and live up to uh, this national number that I'm carrying out of Adam Knapp running the 97 for the very first time. First time he's not a two-digit number uh, in his career. So what are your thoughts on on, uh, this Suzuki team that's uh, it's in their second year? Um, I I think, I think it's it's pretty solid. Um, One thing that you always have to remember with a new team is it it takes a while for things to kind of get going. Uh, I mean, look at a team like JGR, you know what I mean? Those guys, have been around for a little while, and they're kind of just now starting to see see uh, some decent, consistent results of getting their stride. JGR won their first race ever. You know what I mean? Consistently, consistently oh. going out and 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 being a, a threat. Um, that they're now now they're a well-oiled machine. They have their shit totally together. Um, but it it does it does take time. Um, other than you know some flashes of brilliance, like you said, with the one with Grant, but. Um, I think the Hap Suzuki team, they're off to a good start. I think they got, they're really smart about who they picked in terms of um, just exposure and publicity with um, Seven Deuce Deuce, um, or now 97, which is going to take me so, so, so long to get used to. Um, he's got his, his huge cult following, a rider like Chisholm and a rider like Alex Ray. I mean, they really picked some, uh, some superstar uh, privateer riders. Um, I don't think the pressure is going to be that big on them because. Um, I think they're just, they're kind of used to it. They're gonna, I know uh, Adam very well. I know Alex, and I know they put that pressure on themselves regardless. So um, you got to remember too, Alex was a fill-in rider for Yamaha for outdoors for a little bit too. So he's kind of used to that uh, that sort of um, factory big brother creeping over your shoulder, making sure you're doing all the right stuff, and and uh, and you you know you're riding the best you can and making their their product look good. Um, the only thing that I would probably say is since the, the team is still kind of in its infancy, is how well the bike setup is. Um, I know it's uh, it's very common to have a new team um, that, that hasn't quite figured out their bike yet, and I know that those guys are on, like, all suspension, which um, isn't a big household name in, in uh, motocross and supercross, um, as much as they are in other outfits in motorsport, but um, I think if they're able to get that dialed and at least make these guys feel as comfortable as their previous rides, I think it's going to be... Uh, a huge, huge benefit to them. Um, you know, none of the riders on this team are slouches. They're all incredible riders. They're very, very fast. Um, it's just a matter of getting to that next step and what it takes to get there. And I think this team is going to set them up with a little bit of uh, a little bit of support staff and some of the accommodation and amenities that allow them to kind of relax a little bit more, have less worries about other stuff outside of just their racing. So I think if they're able just to focus, um, get their bike styles and put in a hundred ten percent effort, no reason why these guys can't make main events every single weekend. 
Totally agree. And uh, it'll be weird to see the seven deuce deuce not in fly, not a three digit number, and not on a Honda. But you know what? Change is good, and I think that uh, he'll be moving in the right direction. Uh, start, I'd like to touch on a few other guys before we make our pr- our predictions for the championship. Uh, other guys of note who will be fast and, uh, and, and consistent and uh, maybe a thorn in the side of a few of these factory guys. Tyler Bowers coming out with uh, 2019 Kawasaki. Um, fingers uh, are, should be healed up by then. He should be in uh, good race condition. He's familiar with that motorcycle, loves it. Kyle Cunningham, as always, uh, will be um, uh, well. I think I, I fully expect him to uh, to show up and and have some good rides if he's able to get the support. He's got that sort of speed. Um, ben Lemay made the uh, four fifty main event last year. He's number forty one this year. He's back on TPJ. Um, yeah, he's just a solid guy. I think he, he's he's got the speed. He's not he's he's been around for quite some time, and uh, it's just that I, I I just like you kind of get what you you you're you get what you get with Ben Lemay. I don't think he's uh, like he doesn't get the the the, the jitters that uh, uh, your typical privateer gets. Um, the forty one machine uh, will likely have uh, some shining moments in this series. I think he'll be uh, one of those like kind of like the bubble guys that are. Uh, consistently uh, getting in there in the LCQs and stuff like that. I expect him to have a good ride. One guy that for me that's a kind of a big question mark, and I think he's got a good bike underneath him. Obviously, the Yamaha is a great motorcycle, great platform. Matt Bashalia, um, if he puts in some solid rides, actually has the uh, a good likeliness to maybe f- find himself a fill-in ride uh, after last year, not the things really going sideways for him with the uh, the Livin' 100 Suzuki team. Um, like just a solid program over at uh, Cycle Trader Rock River Yamaha. Um, unfortunately, he'll be wearing moose riding gear, which is kind of a bummer. But other than that, he'll be in good shape. <laughs> and uh, I expect uh, some some fast qualifying times. I expect uh, good riding from him. And if he can stay injury-free, of course, it's a big if with a guy like Matt. But um, he has the uh, the potential to maybe uh, play spoiler and uh, sometimes make a few of those uh, factory guys look bad. I, I agree with that. Um, Deshalia is is very very questionable to me right now. Um, which, I, I, if you would have told me that this would have would have been saying uh, a couple of years ago when he was on a you know factory two fifty squad, um, I wouldn't have believed it. But it just it's the injuries have crept up to him and just not getting on you know these uh, bigger name teams and stuff. Um, you know, Cycle Trader does have a big history of. Um, sort of launching riders into that, to that next level. We've seen it with, um, you know, their support of like Alex Ray, for example, or, uh, or Alex Martin. So, um, I think, I think they can, they can do some good for, for Michelle. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to see him consistently ride the entire season and just make steady progression. Um, I don't think he's going to light the world on fire, um, throughout the season. I think he's going to have a couple really cool breakout rides here or there, but nothing that's, um, Nothing that's really gonna 
going to be too, too crazy. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to talk bad about the guy or put him down at all. Just, I just haven't seen the consistency and, in, in, in progression over the last couple of seasons. So yeah, if he's able to do fine. that, hit, I think you hit Matt. Pichetta, that? That's fine. That's fine. You hit oh, Matt yeah, Pichetta. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't, can't stand the guy, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I think it'd be a good year and a good squad, good support around him. This could be a really good building year and who knows, maybe it could, PS stepping stuff and they're really, really getting a good amount of support next year and start being the map to show you of, you know, a couple of years ago. Fair enough. Uh, well, I, I honestly, I think he, like you said, he has potential um, and it's only up to Matt to unlock that. I think he couldn't be on a more solid sort of pl- platform. I know Christina Denny and everybody over at Cycle Trader, um, they're like a diesel over there. They like, they're, they're not a flashy organization. They, they, they dot their I's, they cross their T's, they put a great bike out there. Um, and I think that, and they like, they don't get nearly enough respect and attention that they do for that, that program. And they've been a great stepping stone for a lot of riders in the past. So hopefully good things for Matt Bichelia. Um, uh, before we leave the 450 class and make our predictions, and I know we've, I've said that a couple of times already on this ridiculous podcast It's two hours long, but what riders in the 450 class uh, are available for the collective experience? We sort of wrap this up with a pretty bow. Oh, well, we've got Alex Ray, uh, Adam Etzik Knapp of the Hep Suzuki squad. Um, their team is really, really cool. They have had a full rig, full staff. It'd be really cool to get people behind the scenes with those guys to see what it's like to have a semi um, and a satellite support team kind of wrapped around it. Um, we also have Brendan Shara. We've got AJ Catanzaro um, out of the um, the Vortex uh, Maxis Moto Tape Rig. Um, we've also got Bubba Pauly, Scotty Winterstrom, um, and a few others that we're going to announce throughout the rest of the season. Uh, we've got Dave Pulley on there, always a staple. Um, we got Tyler into Nap as well. It, it's gonna it's gonna be a really good season. Um, we're also gonna throw on Tevin Taffy as the season kind of progresses too. So, plus wide plethora of riders, a lot of a big range of guys you can hop onto, help out, and kind of go behind the scenes with to to get that full immersion and full race team feel from your riders. There you go. What's Tyler into Nap up to this year? Like, what's his program look like? Is he full? Uh, is he just regular getting ready on a Honda? Or what? Um, yep, he's on, he's on a Honda. Um, same same spots as last year. I know he was kind of thinking about maybe TPJ for a bit. Um, but I think he's going to be on his own this year. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of something a little similar last year, and it, and it worked out for him. Um, but one of the cool things about Tyler is that, you know, he's a great guy. A lot of people are willing to help him out. And he usually comes out with some pretty good support each season. So it's that's never really a huge – I think he's concerned about when it comes to Tyler. Man, the guy's just super fun to be around. People love working with him. And uh, he always seems to make it work for him throughout the season. So um, I, I'm just hoping the guy has a consistent um, and, and just uh, injury-free season because, I mean, a lot of people don't realize how much potential that kid, that kid has. And he can, he can really turn some heads and, um, you know, really do great some LCQs, make some main events, and, and put it to some guys, you know, really battle for some of those top-type privateer spots. Well, there you go. Um, so... Let, let's make our predictions here. Who is who's winning uh, this championship in the 450 class? Uh, I'm going to make you go first. Ooh, I'm going to have to go with Eli Tomac. I mean, as much as I want to say somebody else, why would you um, want to say somebody say, else? He's the best rider in the in the class. 
he he is, but I because I, everyone else is going through Tomek, and I kind of want to mix it up a little bit. But you can't argue with the way he's been riding. You can't argue with his dominance. You can't argue with the tenacity that he's had over the past couple of seasons. So for me, it's a Tomek. Um, if I have to say who's going to grab a second, I'd probably say Anderson um, with uh, Ken Rockton pulling up a third. Fair enough. Um, that's in points or in, or uh, just for this weekend you're, th- you're talking? I would say in points. This weekend, uh, that's that's an even tougher one, man. I want to say Anderson's going to gonna get out and, and get this win. And maybe uh, Tomek's going to maybe kind of ride a little conservative with his second. And uh, maybe I'm just going to third. Fair enough. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Eli Tomac. I think he wins 10 races this year. I think he's extremely dominant. I think he uh, gets the monkey off his back. Um, and uh, I, although I think his closest adversary will be Jason Anderson, and I, I, I'd like you, I think he's going to have a great Anaheim one, maybe even win it. Uh, I don't think that uh, uh, Eli wins the first round, although he, he's, uh, he definitely has the potential to do so. Um, I think Eli Tomac comes out, doesn't put himself in a bad position like he has in the past, goes out and wins um, more than 10, like 10 or more races this season. And uh, I think he's uh, first in points, wraps it up a couple rounds early, focuses on uh, on outdoors. Second in points, I'm going to take Jason Anderson, followed by Ken Roxon, who I expect to, who will win uh, a race in 2019. Um so I think uh, I, I just I, I think my sort of like kind of bold prediction is um, is from Marvin Muskan. I think is maybe a, a, a uncharacteristically uh, poor season. Maybe only uh, the one win. I don't expect. I actually I don't expect multiple wins from Marvin Muskan this year. I'm gonna, I'm just going to say that right now. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I think my I think my sort of breakout would probably be Savachi. I'm going to, I'm going to stamp it that Savachi is going to, that's your top gonna, rookie. That That's my top rookie. That's okay. going to be my guy. Okay. I'm going to go with Plessinger, um, for just top rookie. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to say Plessinger. I think he's, he's got uh, a great opportunity to be, uh, one of the, uh, the brightest spots of the season. And, uh, I think he's got the right attitude for it. That's the 450 wrap up. Everyone go to the collective XP dot com sign up for an a collective experience with dave drakes dave i appreciate you coming on the podcast to do this uh unfortunately i don't know if you have any more time to do the 250s honestly if you don't want if you don't we don't have to uh i can do that one on my own but uh um i appreciate you coming on this this podcast my friend uh i can't wait to talk about all of the race results with you uh on sunday after you return flight from uh, california same, man. You know, it'd be better if you were there to, to kind of uh, run through all the race commotion with me. But, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm really excited and uh, looking forward to doing more of these as the race season progresses. Yes, sir. As always, I appreciate the time. Don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. <laughs>